0: Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to the back row. My name is Matt Hudson, and this is Retrospectives, which is my show where I get to talk about a movie, which I think is great, with a guest who also thinks that same movie is pretty bloody good too. And returning to the back row tonight is someone who I'm beginning to think likes it here. She doesn't just have power. She has his power. She's a Palpatine. It's Laura. How are you? Great
1: introduction. Thank you so much. I'm doing wonderful. Um, I'm Good. a little mildly, <laughs> low-key insulted that you just called me Palpatine. <laughs> <And laughs> yeah. You know how I feel about
0: that. <laughs> Everyone who's listened to us on the show before, we have to get the trash shit out of the way now. This is it. It's the only Rise of Skywalker stuff you are going to hear now. I had to say it. It's done with now. I've I've expun I've expelled it from my system. So um, yeah, I'm glad to I'm glad you're doing alright. Are you keeping Canada safe and well? Uh, I
1: am. I am all by myself, actually
0: yeah good So you're just carrying that country on your shoulders um hey hey canada basically, follow yeah, me basically that's how you talk. wear my crown and i walk around and yes yeah, oh, yeah. resident canadian royalty queen of canada and all that she she loves it um so we have spoke what we spoke we spoke on apollo 13 and a league of their own haven't we before we
1: have and we did a
0: music we feature. did we schools did. and really soundtrack fun. It was, and a lot of people seem to enjoy that one. Um, It seems to be quite popular, even now, probably two and a half years late. I don't know when we did that, but it was at least a couple of years ago. Um, But that was a lot of fun, so go listen to that. But Laura's been on the show a few times. Um, She's my buddy. I can't do her accent, but we do like talking film together. And tonight, we are talking about a bona fide classic horror film, Scream. So before we... Could dive into everything like about it. Let's get the admin out of the way. It was distributed by Dimension Films and released on the 20th of December 1996. Directed by Wesley Earl Craven himself. Where's Craven? And it starred, here we go, Nev Campbell as Sydney Prescott, Courtney Cox as Gail Weathers, David Arquette as Dewey Riley, Matthew Lillard, Stu Macker, Skeet Ulrich as Billy Loomis, Rose McGowan, Tatum Riley, Jamie Kennedy as Randy Meeks, Stefan's Henry Winkler as Arthur Himbury, Andrew Barrymore. Casey Becker. It was made for 15 million bucks and it made 173 million worldwide. Today's money is 26 million versus 302 million. So it made a ton of wonga back. Uh, It didn't win anything or wasn't nominated for anything at the Academy Awards. It's a horror film. Go figure. But it did win the best horror film at the Saturn Awards that year. And a couple of and a handful of best actors, actress, sorry, best director. You know, miscellaneous awards around the globe. So, Scream—it's tw- just, just celebrated its 25th anniversary, which sounds mad. So, I've got to ask you: This came out in 1996. We are basically the same age. Mm-hmm. How old were you when you first saw this?
1: I was—I believe I was about 12 years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was 18. Didn't Laura, get to go see this in the theater uh, here in Canada because it was rated R. Um, but like every uh, rated R film that came out onto video, we would rent them at like, you know, sleepovers and watch them. And, you know, this was, this was one of those movies that became a very popular rewatch for me and my friends.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember watching it at, my buddy's house, Liam, we went around there for a sleepover, me and a couple of other guys. We were about the same age, about 12. Uh, and beforehand, we would basically just had a massive wrestling match and I hit him in the face with a metal um, confectionery lid, which was <laughs> one of my abiding memories of my youth. And then we sat down and watched Scream and I think it just sort of warped us for <laughs> a couple of weeks afterwards. Cause like, cause over here is a, is an 18 rated film. And we were like, yeah, we were 12. Yeah, we'd seen horror films before, but something about scream felt kind of not to say close to home, but it felt quite real. We weren't talking about the boogeyman. We weren't watching zombies. We weren't watching people with their heads twisting around and vomiting pea soup. It was just a guy in a suit who could be you, me or anyone. Uh, So there was that aspect to it. So I remember being quite young and, but I, I didn't watch it for the longest time afterwards. And I've, I've only watched it a few times since not for any bad reason. Hence why we're talking about it, but I was so, so excited to be able to talk about this film because i wanted to rewatch it but i guess the reason why we're talking about it is because we both think it's bloody good why is the question what is it about screaming what is it about this film which makes you say i love this film
1: uh i want to say that okay i'm not very well versed in horror movies
0: i'm not mm-hmm. like
1: you i don't know <laughs> Have like a collection of horror movies that I watch regularly
0: you know Frank a
1: podcast about them yeah. <laughs> where you like literally, literally talk about them but I feel like this was the first sort of modern day slasher film mm-hmm. that had come out and it was sort of a mix of uh, it's kind of considered like a comedy I think as well as a horror film you know because yes. you have characters like randy and and stu who who lend so much like uh, comedic. Uh, what, what word am I looking for? Like value. The, the value to this to this movie, and there's a little bit of um, mocking and breaking down of the tropes in this film that I don't know. And I think seeing actors like Nev Campbell and uh, maybe even Rose McGowan in a film, you know, because Nev Campbell had been on Party of Five at this time. And that show was pretty popular, and I think had mm-hmm. gone for about five, six seasons, something like that. And so the craft had just come out before this. Yeah. And she wasn't that. And so Skeet Ulrich. And then this came out and, you know, we were wanting to watch, uh, Neve Campbell. And I think, honestly, I think it really had a lot to do with the opening sequence with Drew Barrymore that kind of caught all of us sort of off guard. And, um, yeah, I, I honestly don't know what drew us. I think also, too, for girls, um, for straight women anyway, we kind of had a crush on, the, on, on our favorite murder boy in this film, and we won't give it away just yet. But, you know, <laughs> there's some aspects of it. I don't know what – I can't really pinpoint exactly what drew us to watching this movie over and over again. Cause <laughs> it seems like it's a bizarre movie to want to watch more than once. Um, the you know the opening sequence is uh, quite brutal actually it's probably the most yeah. brutal of all the after everything else that happens but um, yeah so it's an introduction to modern slashers and I was kind of like okay I can get on board with this because I wasn't really into the uh, like the other films like I wasn't you know the monsters and zombies and mm-hmm. the more uh, what do you call it kind of like make believe.
0: Yeah, yeah supernatural um, killer, killer, kind of stuff,
1: supernatural killers and stuff like that so yeah and maybe maybe the music and the, the soundtrack too i don't God. know there's a bunch of aspects of it oh and i totally forgot courtney cox duh like she was friends. <laughs> like you know you ever she, heard
0: of friends anyone
1: yeah she's <laughs> famous there so you know to see she her in a film like this was interesting too pretty intriguing so
0: yeah, well, considering her character on In Friends, sorry, this was a bit of a one eighty for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this film just because, for all the reasons you said, it, it just t- it, it. plays on all the conventions. You know, this is everybody knows this that Scream is just a, a mad satire, a send up of the horror genre, uh, which Wes Craven, you know, helped to create in the eighties with things like A Nightmare right. on Elm Street, and then a few years before this, I think ninety four, he did a new Nightmare, which was a meta satirical look at horror films and the nightmare on elm street franchise and that's fantastic but that was kind of like a an appetizer that was like the crudités before we got to the main course which was scream and did i think maybe that's that's what it was it because it invigorated the slasher franchise it brought it back because the slasher franchise had been run into the ground in the 70s and 80s you had something like halloween which was more of a mystery thriller slash slasher and then it became just like full-on slasher same with friday the 13th just became say and nightmare and all these other kind of bc films that it, they spawned you know it became more of the same and it, it just got diluted scream felt fresh it felt um new even though it's and off of the old and it just changed the horror landscape and it really did because then we got another wave of crap impersonators of this film which we still get now but scream was a a massive kind of touchstone moment in horror movies ever in terms of the genre this is a big moment because it it, you know it made it made horror relevant again as well i mean look at those box office numbers horror has always done well at the box office always because people want to see the boogeyman they want to see freddy krueger but this change well, they the want to be scared you. they want to be scared exactly you want to sit in a room yeah. with other people you want to jump out of your seat for 90 minutes and then at the end of it be like hey, you know compare how many times you shoot yourself compared to your friends but right. scream changed the game because they didn't have a freddie you didn't have a ghost uh, a michael myers you had, you had a ghost face who was you know could who was anyone and we'll get into that but you know it's not an omnipresent killer like freddie who could be in your dreams or michael myers who can do anything it's a guy in a Cost in you know, a you know a Walmart uh, costume. that The film isn't necessarily about Ghostface as much as right. about the characters or who might be Ghostface, which I found really interesting. That you know they kind of took a bit of the attention away from the killer in this film and made it about the ensemble. So um that's what it worked is, for me.
1: Right. Yeah, and that I was going to say like exactly we unlike those movies that you mentioned we don't know who the killer is through and i think in the opening sequence of drew barrymore there's a there's a scene where she uh puts her hand up and takes the mask off of the person who's killing her and the camera lifts up so that we can't see their face that's just like yeah you know a little tease like you're not gonna know like you're gonna have to (laughs) watch this whole movie to like guess who it is and uh, all that stuff so that, that in itself was intriguing because we're like okay this isn't one of those things where we know who it is <laughs> like we have no. Freddy and we have Michael Myers like and we don't uh, this is like a, a guessing movie and we had to wait the whole thing just to find out who it was mm-hmm. um, so that's, that's a little adventure in itself um, but this is also the first movie in like about a decade so I think since the other Nightmare on Elm Street uh, the second one that we have a final girl. Sydney Prescott.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah.
1: Is a, is a final girl. And so that that kind of opened like a new era for like women in horror, I think, and, and, you know, in this new, like, you know, they mentioned the millennium in this movie actually. So it, I, let's say, let's call yes. it the millennium of, you know, horror genre, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that in itself is kind of interesting too. We can talk about final girls in a little
0: bit yeah well let's um well, let's get into what we all the moments we love about the the film so retrospectives this is what we do we talk about how much we love the film if there's anything we don't like we'll mention that at the end or let me rephrase that anything we were quite so hot on we'll mention that at the end but this is basically just a massive gush fest take that as you will mm-hmm. uh, and if you haven't seen scream we are going to spoil the whole damn thing so if you, if you haven't seen it and you don't want to know who who the killer killers whatever are you don't Go know. watch it now. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's one hour forty-seven minutes. Go watch it, enjoy it. Come back, listen to Laura and myself spoil the whole damn thing, and then tell us how great we were at doing it afterwards. But um, <laughs> well, let's get into it then. What you know? What's the first thing you want to mention? First scene sequence moment that you want to mention?
1: Well, let's talk about the opening sequence. Yes, and as I mentioned earlier, I think ah. this sequence was just a really insane way to open this movie. It was left a real impression, I think. And even to this day, just watching it again, I was like, Oh man, like this is, it's pretty brutal. It's the most, I would say, you know, subjectively it's the most brutal part of the entire, like of the entire movie. Like they just opened it with a bang here. And, uh, I would say the rest of the movie is a little more, a little, like, obviously, there's killing and stuff, but it was not, like, anything like that. So, yeah, yeah it was quite quite something. Um, uh, Drew Barrymore did this role. Uh, I think they offered her Sydney, and uh, she took this one. And uh, it was just really, I thought it was well done. And, you know, they had her in this, like, this blonde wig with these bangs <laughs> and this, this lift. So, like, it's. they give you this character, you'll never forget her look. No. Because like, it's just so in your face, like this ridiculous haircut, this like dark lipstick she's wearing. She's barefoot in the house, in her house, and she gets this phone call from a guy, and or at least it sounds like a guy on the phone, and he just starts asking her about scary movies and questions, and she hangs up on him a few times, and it starts to get kind of creepy. So I think we should start by by saying that uh, talking about this voice though. This is the voice on the other end of the phone is done okay, by Are you
0: able to do an impression of that voice? Um,
1: oh, <laughs> um <laughs> Hello, Sydney Yes <laughs> That's the like, best y- I can do.
0: <laughs> if I do the impression it's gonna sound like my impression of you as a Canadian person and what I said earlier <laughs> on. Just <clears throat> what's your favorite scary movie? yeah
1: <laughs> that was great
0: exactly is, that's how uh scary people sound but man I, I love the sound and the voice as well is the voice is iconic and as i you know i don't usually like the word iconic it's overused now but the, everybody knows the voice if you say you now if you hear someone say what's your favorite scary movie in your head you think of you think of um the actor who i'm going to find out his name in a minute the voice actor Robert you know Jackson. you Thank you so much. The Queen knows her stuff. You think of that voice, you don't, know, and you probably say it back to your mates as well. Yeah, just hearing the opening is, to I think, it's it's one of the best opening sequences of any horror film ever, and I do mean that. But I generally do I think one of the most strongest opening because we've just said how the film is, you know, satirical. It's got some fun elements, so fun like dark comedy elements to it but this is like legitimate horror. Yes, they kind of, it's Wes Craven, you know, throwing in things about uh, Friday the 13th and the night when Elm Street, oh yeah, all the other films are shit. You know, it's a bit of fun there, but it's a legitimate, legitimate horror scene. You know, Drew Barrymore acts the hell out of this. She's, you can, she looks like she's actually there being stalked by this madman. Her boyfriend's tied up. He gets cut up and then it's the cat and mouse in the house. And obviously what happens to her, it's 15 minutes or whatever of just, you know, proper good horror from a man who is one of the horror great, one of the greatest horror directors of them all, and that and that was just a reminder to me of just mm-hmm. how good he, Wes Craven really was. Uh, rest in peace, Wes. Uh, and, you know, and I love the rest of the film, but that is such a solid opening, and I, it kind of catches you off guard because you are like, "Fuck, okay, this is this this is the setup. What's going to come?" And obviously, what comes afterwards is is great, but I think it's such a solid solid opening and to me the first time i saw it it scared the hell out of me like drew barrymore and this is in hindsight you know drew barrymore was you know people knew who she was then and she would said that herself you know she she wanted to be cast in this role because it would throw people off they would see drew barrymore they'd think oh she must be the star she won't get killed immediately gets killed in the first scene. I mean, Christ, she's Bjergen Kjørgen from Wayne's world too. You don't kill Bjergen <laughs> off, but She'd been in like, obviously ET and other, plenty of other stuff, but I, uh, it's just a shock factor that, that that they went with, but the brutality as well, you know, like we, the slow motion as Ghostface grabs her and just stabs her. And you see her hung up on the tree in front of her goddamn parents. And she, oh, dude, bro. When, the, when the, when her parents are walking into the house, but she can't talk because yeah, it was, like punctured larynx. So- it's so
1: sad it's sad too at the same time because you're feeling like really horrible (laughs) something like like, she's so close to to possibly being you know rescued or whatever and she can't speak and so that's that was kind of sad for me um but yeah brutal You just see them walk in the house and you're like no like she's done like what about the popcorn Yeah, and then the popcorn, uh, you know, the old... Well, it's not even old, school. I'm pretty sure they still sell these, but the popcorn <laughs> and the the uh, foil, um, yep. blade bowl or whatever it is, and it, it blows up. Um, it's set on fire, and the house is the house is all smoky, and, and then the parents come in, and they're in the house, and they pick up the phone to call 911, and then they hear her on the other line having, like, basically trying to breathe, I guess. Oh, or yeah. Having trouble breathing and they just, they like don't know where she is. And, uh, yeah. The, the, the mom goes outside after the uh, husband tells her to go to the neighbors or whatever. And then she turns and sees her daughter hanging from a tree. Whoa. Uh, so that's, yeah, it was brutal. And then they kind of do this really quick shot. Like the, what do you call it? Like a high speed shot up to her dead body. And then it, the mo- the rest of the movie starts. So,
0: yeah, and then, there, or
1: the, then that opening what was it the title came
0: on. yeah you get the title card or and did then it the, come before that no it comes after that it um, comes after okay that's the it's a kind of cold open on that and then sorry I'm a little dull. <laughs> <laughs> it was like you yeah, know the title card came after you said that word your phone rang um yeah, <laughs> yeah but then the then, the, then the, t- the tone really changes in the classic kind of west craven horror style you've got that brutal damning opening and then, you know, it's, and then, and then we get to like Billy, Skeet Ulrich, you know, climbing through a window and desperately basically gagging for sex. And eventually he gets a boob shot. But uh, so completely, the tone completely changes. And yeah. You got two so, beautiful people in the same frame there.
1: So let's talk about, let's talk about this for a second. Okay, first, we'll just, let's just go back to the voice. So the voice is done by an a, a actor named Robert Jackson. Yes. And it is actually his voice on the other line, end of the line. And I did read some trivia and then I, I've read some contradicting trivia about this. So one so thing said that, that he didn't at any point meet the actors. He did yes, speak to them this. on the phone, though. They, that was him on the phone. Mm-hmm. That was them talking. But they never actually met the actress. They want the actors to have like a genuine reaction to his voice. Um, the other piece of trivia was that he was on set with a cell phone talking to them so that would be very weird that if he was on set I've never met the actors
0: so <laughs> never met them was, was just around like the corner the,
1: yeah i feel like the first one was more likely um just cuz you do want to get that like genuine reaction from that that kind of creepy voice that he has yeah, yeah. um so i thought that was kind of cool because i think that they first thought they were going to kind of dub over with some sort of like or just, you know, alter the voice a little bit, but they when they heard him talking, it was just like, No, this is this is good. Imagine being that guy, like you have the scream guy's voice.
0: Very oh, <laughs> like fucking that's, quality.
1: That's crazy.
0: How many um, times do you think he pranked his mates and they're just like, Robert, for Christ's sake, Roger Roger, sorry, <laughs> just just stop it. Come on. Yeah,
1: yeah, probably quite a few. Just thought it was fun. Yeah. Um
0: He was also so, in Winnie the Pooh as well, so there's a slight he? dichotomy, yeah. And the oh, powder puff goes.
1: That's Pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. There you go. So, so that's Robert Jackson, and then to the scene. So, I did watch this movie last night with a couple friends who are yes. very knowledgeable in storytelling and this kind of stuff, and they were like, you know, this movie is pretty horny, and it is, and, and it is. It's it's like pretty horny. <laughs> we're seeing these teenagers. There's a lot of talk of of sex, and we got. Uh, one of our characters, Billy Loomis, so I'm sure Loomis is an homage Loomis, to, yep. yeah, uh, uh, Doctor
0: Loomis from Halloween.
1: Yes, um, mm-hmm. who's who we see in this opening scene after the main sequence with his girlfriend Sydney, and he's basically like basically saying, talking about sex and how mm-hmm. when they first started dating they were hot and heavy, and then after. Uh, our main characters, uh, we learned that her mom died. Um, apparently, she became a little less kind of, I would say, more like kind of afraid of sex. You know, she mm-hmm. was just not...
0: Commitment and, yeah, giving y- yeah, yourself not, over to oneself. Yeah, someone else.
1: yeah. You can
0: understand that as well.
1: You could understand why, yeah. And so um, that kind of sets the tone for their relationship and kind mm-hmm. of what we see sort of Billy after like this whole time you know and so yeah this is a horny movie guys if you like horny movies with some horror in it then watch
0: this laura has spoken this film is full of horn basically (laughs) No, yeah yeah, you know you're right it's it's, you know it's mid-90s mtv kind of horror but then it's at the same time it's it's horror you know they always chuck a bunch of teens in and we find out later on that Randy talks about the formula, but, you know, you have sex in the, in a horror film, you're going to die. And that's pretty much what all of these teenagers want in these horror films. And Billy, yeah, we meet Billy Loomis, and yeah, like he's just, he, just, he just wants a piece of Sydney. It's, it's basically he climbs through the window simply for that reason. She's like, no, because he said, oh, I saw The Exorcist on TV, and it made me think of you because it yeah. was heavily edited for TV. I was like, well, that's no way to watch The Exorcist, mate. Oh, if that was me, I'd be like, don't no, worry no, about The Girlfriend. I'm watching The Exorcist best film of them all um but yeah they, we, we kind of get a an idea about him then we meet uh Stu and tatum who you know they they look like they uh enjoy their time together shall we say as well mm-hmm. and, and randy the guy's called randy for fuck's sake <laughs> there's that yeah. as well uh he's he also fancies sydney and you know it's it, it's just like a this little clique who uh are with hormones running high it's party season and then somebody gets killed and everyone gets horny about that as well. It's a very strange, uh, movie in that sense. But you know what I also forgot about as well. I forgot how big the, this is. I hadn't seen this film in a while. How big the Prescott house is. Like it's, it's massive Sydney's house. It just seems to be in the middle of nowhere as well. Cause there's some really nice oh. shots for on the balcony with the, the rolling countryside and the sunset. And I'm thinking, I th- sure this film was set in other suburbs, but out in the States. Is,
1: these are rich white kids in the States. Good point. That's Good what point. this, like, all these people are rich and white, except Diversity for maybe... Diversity in
0: this film doesn't really work.
1: It, it doesn't, it's not really there. Um, you know, and that is what it is. And, um, but, you know, Tatum's house is big. Sydney's house is big. Uh, Stu's house is Stu's big. Stu's house is big. And then we don't get to really find out anything about about Billy, but...
0: Billy's really, probably living um, in a shed just, somewhere.
1: <laughs> yeah, miserable guy. Um, but that's basically what they're trying to show us in this is yeah. that you know it's these are all like rich suburb small town white kids. Uh yeah, so one of the things that was discussed last night was like the kind of the horror movie tropes and yes. how it relates to this movie and how we actually there's a few things. So one of the things I noticed was a lot of the stuff that happens in this movie is basically told to you right before it happens. It's mm-hmm. so like someone says something and as like a joke and you kind of don't pay attention to it, but then it happens either right yeah. after or like later. Right. And so they're basically telling you what's happening throughout this movie. There's also the trope of like, um, as I was talking about how this movie is like kind of horny, just the, the final girl thing and, and the, uh, what is it like sex versus like the getting killed thing? Like what Randy <laughs> says, you know, yeah. um, if you have sex, you're going to die. Um, if you know, if you don't, then you're likely going to survive or whatever. And we know what happens at the end of the movie and why, why, uh, Sydney ends up being a final girl. And, so what it's doing is, I, in my opinion, it was kind of he was Wes Craven's kind of like mocking these tropes, yeah. Or no, actually just Kevin Williamson that wrote the screenplay. Kevin books.
0: Williamson but wrote the script. Yeah.
1: They're they're mocking the tropes while also breaking them down throughout the movie, right? So mm-hmm. they're telling you all these things about horror movies and all the the rules and things like that, and then they're breaking all of these rules. So that was kind of the unique thing about Scream at this time that it, that it didn't follow all the. It, Followed some like the, Oh, I don't want to give it anything away just yet. We'll, we'll talk about that later, but you know, followed some of the, the, the usual tropes that we see in horror movies, but then it definitely broke down that, that uh, sort of damsel in distress kind of thing. And, and, you know, built on this, the final girl, this the stronger women. And, and uh, yeah, so I thought that was really interesting. Um, I enjoyed the humor in this movie. I, I just yeah. like these these funny characters i think matthew lillard and and um oh my gosh what's his name the place Skeetorick? of randy. oh no.
0: randy oh um oh randy you naughty boy jamie kennedy
1: jamie kennedy yeah i just really love uh just really love how they incorporate the humor in this i just think it was super fun um uh yeah so so you know it's interesting i it's it's definitely one of the first movies, not completely unique from horror, but I feel like it was one of the first movies of its kind in this time. Like mm-hmm. I said before, and uh, as you, as everyone knows, the continuation of the Scream series has now gone on to five movies. The the fifth one coming out next year, and I'm, yeah. Or, yeah, next year, and I'm very excited for for
0: that. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll mention that at the end then to the kind of we'll you know dip our toe in the water of two three four and the upcoming one and how yeah. this you know what they how they compare to this and that. but you're right you know, they do uh there's a moment in this where sydney she gets her first call from ghostface and she's like oh you know those stupid horror films where the the far, the dams in distress like you say and then they, she runs up the stairs when she should be running out the front door and then within like two minutes ghostface is in the house sydney's just she looks at the front door and runs up the stairs and it's you know is that kind after of after
1: she had mentioned that exactly. she doesn't watch horror movies this, for this very reason because this always is not going stupid,
0: to go the
1: big boobed woman who always runs up the stairs when she's is right it. in the front door and then she does the exact same
0: exact thing, same thing but, but and then but then she uh her and billy do the horizontal shuffle during the film and and you know as you'll find later on in the film that is um that trope is averted the "I'll be right back" trope is kind of averted as well, but yeah. it's you know it's Wes Craven and Kevin Williams and having a bit of fun. You know, Wes Craven in his films is, is guilty of doing all of those, and he knows that. But that's part of the allure of Scream is that you know they, it can poke fun at itself and those other films, whilst also subverting them or using them at times as well in a very clever way. And Scream, I think, is there is more going on. It is a lot more is cleverer, more intelligent. Sorry. Then I think people give it credit for because on the on the face of it, it's just a slasher film, but there's more going on behind the scenes. And Wes Craven he gave us one of the great horror final girls in Nancy from A Nightmare on Elm Street, and mm-hmm. um, who then went mm-hmm. on to star in Dream Warriors, the third instalment, who which wasn't directed by um, wasn't directed by Wes Craven. I want to say Frank Darabont, directed that, but uh, so he's he he already knew how to craft a final girl who wasn't. Uh, like you say, well, like Sydney said as well, she wasn't out there in revealing costumes or calling for help the whole time or needing a guy to come and help her. You know, Nancy was a final girl. She got there. She beat Freddie by her own smarts and same as in the Dream Warriors as well. Same with Nev Campbell as well in Sydney. You know, she, yes, she's a, she's a teenager. She's got a boyfriend. They're going to get up to stuff but it's not, she's never at any point kind of sexualized or there for the male gaze necessarily. There are a few points of course but um, I never kind of got that feeling watching it now, in twenty twenty one. I didn't as a guy, I know I can't speak for you, but as mm. a fella, I didn't get I didn't think that Wes was sexualizing his lead actress um whatsoever. Tatum, different story. But as for don't Nev, me. I don't think so whatsoever. Ever. I think I think she um she was afforded that independence and at the end of the film by the end of the film she is a very, she becomes a great final girl. She, she, she changes into the final girl mold with the confidence that she's exuding.
1: Right. And, you know, there is definitely, this is definitely kind of, there's a male gaze sort of thing happening here where there's kind of this misogyny that they actually discuss in the film, Um, that scene by the fountain when they're talking about uh, how they had like the interviews with the police and then, Tatum's like, they asked me about hunting. Like, why would they ask about hunting? And he's like, because, you know, Steve's like, because they were like filleted or something like that. And, 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 uh, he's like, only a man could do something like that. For right. sure. She's like, or a man's mentality or something. And, you know, there's a few, uh, oh, I had another point about an example. Oh, yes. So when, when, Sorry, I'm actually have the movie playing in the background here right now. Nice computer, computer screen, and you had just mentioned the thing about uh, about Sydney um, being called by the killers. That that's what I'm watching right now. And uh, so he, I pointed this out yesterday when when uh, she gets called, she manages to get away from the killer. The killer leaves because she kind of she dialed one on her phone, and then. Uh, Billy shows up at her window again, and uh, he's hugging her, and she's all like freaked out and stuff. And then a cell phone drops on the ground,
0: yeah.
1: and then you see the cell phone drop right next to these black boots. And she suddenly like, wait a second, like you were off. It's like awfully convenient that you just like got to my window right after the killer left. You know, and those and boots. She freaks out, uh, opens the door, and then. There's a character, Dewey, who we'll talk about in a second, who's a, a cop and the cops are there. And then she basically accuses her boyfriend of being the guy who had just attacked her. Mm-hmm. And we have a scene in the the sheriff is talking to Billy and his dad. And and oh no, I now I realize I was like, if I talk about this, then I'm be giving away like all the stuff. But basically, like his dad is in the scene for a little bit. And uh, we find out later that Billy's mom left his family.
0: Yeah.
1: And we find out uh, some more details about that. Um, but well this, well, this point that I'm trying to make kind of relates to the sort of misogyny that we see um, in this particular character and how the women in this film are really um, villainized compared to how the men are. Let, I'll just say that. How about that? and we'll,
0: we'll talk about because i don't want to give away that all the stuff I like so. it. what a what a yeah. set up and i don't and, and my immediate thought is i don't disagree with you either um yeah. and we'll, yeah, we'll get into that when uh, the further on we get then uh what what struck me about that scene in the um in the interrogation scene is that the sheriff's like what are you doing with a cell phone which is just a lovely Sorry. kind of like yeah. <laughs> microcosm of the time it was like like 25 years ago people just didn't really have cell phones other than yeah. you know the businessmen or you know those who really actually needed a fucking cell phone so that was quite quaint and obviously nowadays horror the horror now has been horror writers have a problem because with with cell phones and with the internet it, there's nothing that can really be averted you know you can't whereas back in the day if you're out and about in the woods you can't just pick out get your mobile phone out and call someone nowadays you can do so writers have to kind of jump through hoops but here they didn't have that. The fact that Billy had that cell phone and rewatching this film, you know, they really kind of, you know, knowing what we know, they really push home. You know, they like you say, they spell out what's happening. You know, this is the killer or this is the actions of a killer. And they, you know, they're not subtle and then by the end, you know, like, Oh yeah. Okay. I saw you. How did I not see it coming? But they really, really, really lay the, the groundwork for that throughout, which I found quite interesting looking at it now, knowing what we know about who the um who the killer is and you mentioned uh detective Dewey, you know, we kind of get introduced to him earlier yeah. on but then but then yes yeah, detective dickhead more like she opens a door and he's standing over the scr- ghost face mask is staring at her who and in, in what world does anybody naturally stand there with a you know literally of a talk to the hand pose with ghost face looking at sydney as she opens the door and he's yeah. like i'm oh, sorry sid I, I found this mask outside after you almost got <laughs> filleted, yeah. So, uh yeah, nice one, Dewey. But um yeah, I I didn't realise how kind of doe-eyed and like doofus. And I don't know what they call. I think they call him Doofy in Scary Movie. But what a complete goof he is in this film. You know, he's yeah. obviously Tatum. She, you know, she's the confident older or younger sister. I don't know the the ages there, she's but she's the younger sister. Younger sister, but boy, she's right? and she's got the balls in that. Face. She wears the trousers there, and she's more than happy to call him out in front of his police mates and everyone else um but he's kind of the he's like a, he's almost like a he's got a very childish mentality and i didn't realize that because obviously later on in, in later films he's you know he, again he's still not exactly a macho man but he grows into his, his role as a sheriff or whatever but in this film he's very kind of he's very awkward and i didn't realize i think he's played well i mean but the character i didn't realize just how kind of like skittish he was
1: yeah, um, I read some trivia that that his character was actually supposed to be kind of like a confident, more like handsome kind of guy. But then <laughs> they played they play, they decided to kind of like play it down. And I just want to point out, and there's going to be some people who that will listen to this that don't like me saying this, but um, you know, you said that Tatum, you know, definitely wears the trousers, and I think we're mm-hmm. kind of. Uh, I think we're past that now. You know, she's wearing a skirt.
0: Well, she certainly is. She's, <laughs> she's wearing a
1: skirt, and she's, she's just
0: wearing something. She's yeah.
1: just a more confident, um, kind of straightforward person. You know, um, yeah, than, yeah. His, than her brother is, yeah. and um, I just find that the, the, the sorry the dynamic and the comparison between the two which is just so funny because they're just so different. <laughs>
0: And you it's know, great, especially when she's
1: Like he loves his sister and she loves him and
0: Oh it's um, sibling uh, rivalry isn't it's, it? It's a sibling yeah, yeah, jabbing yeah. at each other
1: it's, and, and it's the, kind of sweet because she just treats him kind of like crap. They calls them them like shit. All the time or, and the police know. officers
0: are loving it. She's like, we're 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 we when I've got this badge on, you've got to treat me as a with the respect of a law of, of an officer of the law. she's just like, yeah, get piss off, Dewey. Go on, get out. um <laughs> Mum said you've got to do this, and I'm like do you're really not giving yourself <laughs> any kind of favors here. I see.
1: He is. Uh, he does tell us that he's twenty five
0: in the movie. So and the rest, mate. If he's twenty five, then Jesus, yeah, I'm I'm a monkey's uncle, as I say. Um, what do you think about his moustache? Really silly question, but I, I kept watching, thinking, why do you have that? I tache? Mean,
1: I don't like moustaches at all.
0: Like I don't. Oh, well, there we I'm go. Just,
1: I'm just not a moustache person. Uh, but uh, I think they maybe get it to give him kind of this look you know, this look of maturity, like you put a mustache on, he might be respected a little bit more. And I think maybe that's why he wears it. It
0: didn't work. um,
1: Because he knows that people at, people at work and just people in general just treat him like, you know, like he's a kid. And and just at the scene where they're at, their Tatum and and Dewey's house. And and that's the other thing. He still lives with his parents.
0: Yes. (laughs) Yes. Well, well, willingly.
1: Yeah. And, uh, Sydney gets a call from the killer and <laughs> at this house and then uh, they leave the phone and the girls go in the room and the mom follows them. And then Dewey just looks at the phone and he goes and picks up the phone. He's like, hello. hello? <laughs> like,
0: it's what he says it. Yeah. Trying to be hello? like
1: tough and, and cool, yeah. you know, you no, know, he goes, hello. Like just is hilarious. Yeah. It's
0: like me when I talk to the big boys and I'm like, hello. Mate, hello. <laughs> hello, hey, <laughs> I I now? I got. I actually have that note. Uh, it just says after the, well, after the killer, um, after the girls go girl, killer, killer is still there. Hello. I've got, that's my note. I did laugh at that yesterday because it's, it's, it's trying to be the tough guy, but also he just doesn't, it also shows that he he's a bit naive. And it's like, you know, this, this guy is a murderer and he's just picking up the phone. Hello. And he, <laughs> what's he going to do? Have a conversation. Um, no, most people be like right i don't know who you are but we're going to catch you and he's just like hello <laughs> so yeah dewey is um he, he he grows into his character across the four released films and you know whatever you think about dewey he certainly starts off with a um hmm, he says off with a bang what about gail weathers one of the most ridiculous Gale names in all of horror and it's courtney cox yes who is the uh on the road to becoming a megastar from being in Friends uh, so I'm i the scene
1: right now where Sydney is approaching her the night after she gets that phone call so Billy at this point, Billy was in jail that night last night he's in jail because she accused him of being the, the guy that was in her house that attacked her but then she gets a phone call so now she's like oh okay she pointed the finger wrong and you know Billy's out so Gail's out of her school again and she has one of these um these haircuts, like it, just the hairstyles that they gave her just to look like this really, Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to describe <laughs> this person, but you know how like in friends, Jennifer Aniston was known for that haircut she had in season yep, the season bomb. one. And it became like super famous. She has a very similar haircut here, but with some bangs oh,
0: the and bangs uh, it go, has, go like, highlights
1: and it's just so bad. It's just layered horribly, but it, that's, On purpose, like everything they do is on purpose, you know. She's supposed to look like this, like stuck up, uh, like journalist white woman. I don't know. Like it, it, it's just the look is spot on for me. She's just aloof with her attitude, with her attitude, really. Um, So I just think it's like super funny. So they're having this sort of confrontation right now, and so what we find out is that Sydney's mother was raped and murdered. And Gail covered that trial in the story while it was going on. And she wrote a book about it afterwards. And in her book, she says that she thinks uh, the man who was accused of killing Sydney's mother is innocent. And they kind of start a little bit rehashing the details here about what happened. And uh, so this is why this is why this is how Gail Weathers is attached to Sydney. And this is why she continues to kind of pursue this story and what's going on here. So that, that's kind of an interesting, you know, for a teenager to know this, like very, quite a famous reporter. Um, and this reporter sort of after this teenager for basically putting what she thinks is this innocent man away in prison. Right. So that's kind of an interesting side story there. Um, um, but I'm not sure. I'll give you a little piece of trivia because I'm not sure you know about this. But right before that scene happens, Sydney gets out of the police car because Dewey gives her a ride to school, and this this reporter is there and says, "Ask her, hey, Sydney, something." And she's like, "People have the right to know. Do you know who that person was?
0: Do you know what? I didn't and, know. Do it you was. know who In- that person? I, I do. I do because yesterday I I never knew until yesterday when I watched it and I saw yeah. this reporter and I was like." Hold on, who do I recognise that? So I re- I rewound it. Sorry, re- rewound it as if it's a VHS. Yeah, really? I went, b- I, I I went back using the remote control, and I was like, and I paused it. I thought, fuck. at so first I was like, oh Carrie Fisher because of the hair, but then I was like, yeah. oh fuck me, it's Linda Blair, and I yeah. had to go on IMDb. I was like, it's Reagan, yes. <laughs> so I was pretty, cool. I was pretty happy to see that. Yeah, if I
1: thought you'd like that, you know, for yes. those who haven't listened to or maybe don't know. Uh, I think everyone should probably know Matt's favorite movie is The Exorcist.
0: Good date movie yeah i'll just ask billy Uh, billy
1: (laughs) Billy got a flash of boobs because (laughs) of it so
0: um i'm not condoning any of that um yeah uh i I genuinely had no idea until yesterday uh, apart from when we're recording and this film's been at 25 years now i don't pertain to know every everything linda blair's ever done but i've seen this film a few times and it's never ever dawned on me i've got the other references to the horror films and that but i never i never saw linda blair until yesterday so look, yeah. any film which can show me something new after 25 years i'm here for yeah
1: so that's a cool little cameo um uh i have another i have a fun fact um so the use of caller id increased more than threefold after the release of this film
0: yeah i, I bet it did Man. <laughs> well, caller id but people probably because people just didn't want to know they what they needed to know who was calling because yeah you know based on this film any old uh any old uh voice actor could ring up and what's your favorite scary movie canadian accent but now but your caller id mm. suddenly people feel a little bit safer and i guess that's before they realized that they could withhold their number on caller id which as soon as i realized i could do that's like great uh not for any nefarious reason but um I don't think at the time people knew they could do that. And with a film like Scream, I'm not going to compare it to, but you know, Jaws made people scared of the water. I imagine Scream made people more aware of who was phoning or the need for that security. Maybe.
1: Yeah. Yeah. uh, I would have felt the exact same way. Caller ID was amazing back in the day. Like, you know, (laughs) to have caller ID ID meant like, because it was a, there's a cost to it. Um, I think later, as it was you know, more popular, they stopped charging people to have caller ID, I think. So, when someone's um, name
0: popped up on the phone, it was like, God damn, this is revolutionary. Yeah. Nan is calling. Wow.
1: So many people were still listed, right? Yeah, they, oh know, man. You know, all Dude, the fa- yeah. Our parents and stuff, they're all listed in the phone book.
0: Do you remember so. the phone book? I do remember the phone book. For those who don't because know, the phone the Yellow book, pages was a book with all the phone numbers exists. in the, the, it does it's a lot smaller now but the phone yes. book was a book you'd get fun enough with you know you'd have to you could opt in and out but everybody's not it would have the homeowner's name their address the first line of their address or their actual address i remember and their home phone number so if i wanted to <clears throat> find out you know somebody i work with was like oh uh john over at work i'll see if he wants to go for a pint i could pick up the phone book if i knew what his surname was and kind of rough idea where he lived i could just ring that number and it was public information it yeah. would be like imagine having a phone book for cell phones how dangerous that would be now but we really, it was different times back then
1: it was, was better or was. worse and now if we we didn't have it uh we would all go crazy like not knowing who's calling us we already get enough spam calls us it is
0: yeah kind of just, just just don't phone me basically just yeah. leave me alone <laughs> it's fine if, if ghostface rang me i wouldn't even answer but i'd piss off <laughs> he move, he'd move on to somebody else it's because i just don't answer the phone
1: yeah so after the scene where <laughs> gail and sydney kind of hashed out a bit
0: really, yeah, they each other uh, out.
1: she you know goes to school and uh, there's a couple kids running through the school with the ghost face masks on and the, the, cost, the whole costume, actually, and they, you know, they scare her or whatever. And then uh, we actually we get to find out who the principal of this school is. And it just happens to be Henry Winkler, who plays Mr. Yes. Henry. The Fonz. The Fonz. The Fonz. So he has a little a. small level, a little A in this movie. Uh, so that's pretty cool um, to see a. him.
0: There. he didn't bang a jukebox but you know he can't have it all. but his jacket was in the cupboard though in the closet yeah. sorry yeah so, that's a
1: fun fact uh we see the Fonz's jacket and it's the
0: Fonz, the, man come on it's the closet, Fonz. yeah <laughs> you know everybody you know for henry again henry winkler has been in many films but this here he's playing a, a high school uh headmaster, or whatever it's called over there head teacher in that's in cool. a horror film and then obviously with what happens to him it's like you don't do that to the funds, man, and, that, and that's also, I guess, part of the subversions. That like you 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 cast Henry Winkler, and he's playing this kind of really like hands-on pervy janitor, uh, uh, head teacher, sorry. Like when when S- Sydney comes in to be interrogated by the police, he kind of puts his hand on her chin and kind of caresses it, and even the the police officers and Dewey are kind of looking like it's fucking weird. And he's he's just like a really strange old man. Which is not how I think of Henry Winkler or the Fonz, and then how he goes out as well. That's not. It's like you don't do that to Henry Winkler.
1: But then Wes Craven <laughs> also
0: makes a cameo as as Fred the janitor, dressed up as Freddy fucking Krueger, which is yeah. pretty cool.
1: There are quite a few callbacks to different horror movies in this in this film, and I feel like you kind of have to know horror films to get the majority of them. Um, the Freddy Krueger thing was quite. Like obvious though, even it's, I got that. It's I, called you
0: know, Fred as well. Freddy.
1: Yeah, and he's called him Freddy's the janitor, and just, he, it's just really funny. Um, but speaking of, uh, I just, just okay. I just so the scene where uh, Sydney gets confronted in the bathroom by Ghostface, and she runs. She, she she gets away. She get, she runs out of the bathroom. But I'm looking in this bathroom, like I don't think there's any way out of there. So like, why, except for the doors, like, why wouldn't you get someone to like stay unless they climbed? There was a window, but it looked like it wasn't exactly the kind of window that
0: no. you can climb out of. So, what kind of would gross loser like hangs around in a has to store. come out
1: there <laughs> yeah. at some point, you know. Can you like imagine away?
0: running into that into that bathroom, you know? You know, childish aside, you you gotta go, you gotta go. You run and you kick the door down, ready to have a crap, and there's just some dude standing there on, on the toilet. Like, the fuck are you doing? Get down and get out! What <laughs> <laughs> you How long was he Bathroom? standing there for?
1: Bathroom scenes can be super creepy. There's one in um, Halloween H2O with the the, the beginning there with the mother and child, and they're in that the restroom off the like road or the highway or something. And then yeah. Michael Michael comes in and he takes her the woman's purse because she put it on the floor, and then he stops to see if she decides to, like, come out or whatever. And then he, he, like, lets her. She doesn't do anything. She just stays there and lets her go. And I was just like, oh, that's so scary. Because if she had made the wrong
0: choice, she'd be dead, right? So Such a sweet guy, Michael Myers.
1: Yeah, right? He's so considerate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Ghostface, on the other hand, though, he didn't even let her wash her hands before he tried to attack her. What kind yeah. of a man is that? Or oh, woman? Um, I did wonder how long he was in there for um similar there's another scene a bit later on where they're in the convenience store before the party getting like you know, things like ice cream and yeah. for a party which is odd and um and chips or crisps and ghost face is just reflected in the in the in the uh glass of the of the freezer section i'm yeah. thinking just nobody saw like that, that son of a gun
1: yeah just silly things like that, but it's of, fun. We yeah. made a comment; it's fun, and we, I made a comment like, "How does no one see this person? Oh, no. <laughs> like, it's, it's just not likely, right? But you know, they threw it in. There was another scene, kind of like that too, where he was like in the bushes or whatever.
0: Yeah, and it, yeah. You know, like why are movie. you just like
1: there? It's just random, right? So yeah, it um, works. So you... Yeah. Uh, so then we kind of speaking of the party. So uh, we're at where. Uh, the school gets suspended and then everyone in the town is given a curfew for nine o'clock. Yes. And then we find, we go back to principal Himbri, the Fonz and he's, um,
0: you
1: know, looking at himself in the mirror and fixing his hair, which is like a classic Fonz. (laughs) Um, So that was just kind of like a a call back to that. And he hears a, a sound or something and uh he's, on he's the mask, looking in he? the mirror and keeps scaring himself like first he scares himself with the mask he's like holding it. it and then he <laughs> looks in the mirror and he scares himself he sees a janitor he's like oh not you fred or whatever and then fred says prick <laughs> that's right when he closes the door prick.
0: <laughs> he just closes yeah. the
1: door <laughs> yeah. and then uh <laughs> so he goes back to the office and um I just prick. love how he just keeps scaring himself with his own face. It's just super,
0: you know, just like a little comedy piece. Come on, like Fonzie. That, Right. Yeah. And um, yeah, that Fred moment when he just, when he just says prick was, that yeah. was fun. But when, but, it, it, and also the way that Fonzie, sorry, um, Himbury, I can't call him the Fonz. When, uh, Himbury, the way, the way that Henry Winkler sells the, the death scene, you know, he's, He's, yeah. he's hamming that shit. That That's Palpatine in, Re- in the Revenge of the Sith kind of material, the faces he's pulling and the noises he's making as he's getting killed. That's yeah. full on kind of just ham and cheese right there. But there's a w- really good shot of Ghostface reflected back in his eye, which yeah. I thought was a really clever shot.
1: Yeah, that was very cool. Um, mm. Don't stab to. Fonzie. <laughs> yeah, he didn't really do like a very dramatic and I, I did read that i think wes was kind of asking him about like he's like aren't you like terrified like don't you like scream or yell or anything and then i don't know they kind of just agreed to do it the way it it ended up going it, so, he's having a West. lot of fun he got stabbed and then he just sort of dies
0: and we his see the reflection eyes are, and his mouth is so wide yeah. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah come on bro he's gone hey or something
1: yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I want to mention before I move on to to because basically the party is going to get started soon here. Uh, in the bathroom scene, when Sydney's in the stall, we find out more information about her background and like her mom yes. and stuff. There's two girls, like really you know snotty girls, coming to the bathroom. They start talking about Sydney, and uh, they start call- you know they calling her mom like. a a slut and Mm -hmm. basically we find out like you know her her mom was uh kind of a busy lady with the with the men and um so we we kind of find that out and and you kind of you kind of see and you can't help the thing like you know sydney's a little maybe a little bit in denial about who her mom is and we find out that that is in fact the case or who her mom was, I should say. Yeah, And we find out that that is the case later. Um, but, you know, can you blame a girl? Like, no teenage girl wants to believe her mom is, like, sleeping with all the men in town. No, of course not. Kind of like that, having that kind of homewrecker reputation. Well, Sydney kind of doesn't thing, seem right?
0: like a bad so, person either. So She yeah, seems like no, some very sensitive all. person, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so, so then we go into the scene in the video store where we... <laughs> We meet, not we don't meet him, but we see him again, um, the character Randy, who's super into horror movies. He knows he's all about guy. the, yeah, he's that guy, just all the movie stuff, and um, he, Stu and Billy are there, Stu's there talking to him and asking him all these questions, you know, and and Randy's like making guesses. He just hates Billy because Billy is with Sydney, and he loves Sydney. <laughs> exactly, know? he's
0: and, a jealous man. He thinks
1: he thinks Billy is the killer,
0: mm-hmm.
1: he, even though even though he got out of jail because the killer called Sydney while he was there. He thinks he's still convinced
0: that this is because that's case. how it happens in the movies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, what did you think of the Randy character? Because I ask you that because a lot of people i've seen uh not recently but just over the years they're kind of like you either like randy or you don't like randy because he's that because like i said he's that guy he's um he's like the well actually guy on the internet where you say something is like, when well, i actually and we'll just bombard you with crap or we'll just try and correct you on your knowledge or other people just see him as hey look he's just a geek who loves film and there's and he's just—that's pretty much devoted his life just to horror films, and he loves it. And he's just, and he's just there for a good time. Where you know, where what are you? Where are you sitting on that? Did you find him at all annoying because of his like, constant knowledge?
1: No, I find I find, no? I, find him, I find him quite funny. And yeah. the thing about those guys, the first kind of guy that you were talking about is is like the kind of guy who thinks they know everything about everything.
0: Yes, right. So yes. They're like
1: always correcting people. Whereas Randy he knows stuff about horror movies. But he also kind of relates things to, like, real life, you know, with the likeliness, like, comparative, because they follow. Because horror movies follow certain rules, like, you can apply that kind of thing to real life, right? Because the likeliness that um, that those horror tropes and stuff would be followed in, like, real killers, you know, to him that's, like, a very likely thing. But he's only, to me, he would only be the kind of guy that would talk about if you were talking about movies, he would correct you, but yep. not really for anything else.
0: No, fair enough. No, no, I just, don't mind him. Yeah.
1: I don't, he's, yeah, he's just kind of a like geeky nerdy movie dude.
0: Yeah. And, and we, we all know one of them. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I like that scene. Everyone, he, cause we also kind of see that Randy is, you know, he knows what's he, well, he thinks he does. And maybe he does. He knows what's going to happen. He knows who's who in this. He knows the formula and he's And that's exactly what he says. That there is a formula Everyone's a suspect he's screaming, he's going mad, and everyone in the stores just starts to look at him and it's starting to take its toll on Randy as well as it is everybody else, but because yeah. he is convinced that this is going to happen because this is what happens in the movies. And I make that reference a lot about throughout the film in that this is what happens in the movies, in the movies, in the movies cleverly done it didn't get overdone for me which again that comes down to kevin williamson really good scripts kevin williamson knows how to write dialogue for young people as well I never one point did i hear any kind of like cheesy buzzwords or anything which didn't sound natural for the ages the characters are meant to be portraying i think this is a really really well written film uh, whereas i've seen other horror films or just films in general rom-coms or whatever where you think who the who wrote this dialogue did a bot write this you know because it's it does not sound natural but this source that it sounds these pi- people sound natural they, i believe that they would be a, a circle of friends and they're kind of like strange unique ways um you know I, I believe that randy would be in with that gang for uh, for some way shape or form he'd be in with them so i didn't at all think that it was uh <laughs> he's kind of in and out
1: with them, if that makes sense. Yeah, I don't like yeah, he's like not fully like in, pod. in They're like a four-pod, and then Randy's sort of like the one that's around sometimes, because he... Yeah, yeah, when they're talking about
0: with football, he, he kind of walks off. Yeah. He's probably mad that. Yeah, exactly. That. Like he's yeah. friends
1: with the girls, right? Like that, I think that's kind of where he uh, comes uh, into this. Uh, I think
0: so. so, yeah. I think yeah, I agree with that.
1: Um. So there's a... So after when they're shopping like you mentioned and then we see ghostface in the window and um there's a scene between the sheriff and dewey and dewey's like he's eating ice cream
0: like, just
1: like a kid just like like licking his it's ice cream a like talking as serious well. business and stuff on a
0: call exactly the sheriff sheriff's like well you know he's like we've got we've got him we've you know we've, we've it was neil prescott's phone we've this we yeah. got his calls and he's really you know he's really proud he's like tomorrow or later we're gonna get him and stubs his cigarette out and the whole time Dewey's like you say he's just like he's like gobbling this ice cream like a like a dog drinks water on a hot day he's loving yeah. that but it is They're really that kind trying
1: of- to get you to see the difference between like Ex- serious exactly. adult and then dewey right so like and then
0: his boss is smoking guy. a
1: cigarette and dewey every time his boss takes a puff dewey is licking his ice cream he's <laughs> going all
0: over his tash as well
1: yeah and so, yeah, he's, the uh, sheriff is saying all that stuff like you just said, like it's, it's Sydney's dad and all this kind of thing. And then he puts a cigarette out and then we see him putting it out with his boot to mm. so kind of get this like, oh, there these boots, you know, and um, I, it's a misdirect. These uh, boots were made it's, for it's, killing. It's a, yeah, it's to get you, you know, kind of guessing like, oh, maybe it's him and he's just saying it's Sydney's dad and all this stuff. So that's kind of fun and um, I did want to mention, so I think this movie was Marco Beltrami. Beltrami
0: yes. Marco Beltrami.
1: Belt- Beltrami's first feature. And what I've kind of liked about this music is it's not particularly horror. horror music, no. But there are some homages to, like, you in some of the scenes you hear this, like, piano music. It's very reminiscent of halloween and um but i read that he wanted because of where they lived and stuff he kind of wanted to make have this like western tone in it so you you hear all these kind of uh like in the scenes where they're getting out of the cars and stuff it's you hear these kind of twangs of of like kind of western sounds and stuff so that i thought that was kind of neat um uh, way to do this score for this film because it really gives its its own life and not your t-
0: usual like horror music. Yeah. It's a kind of thing. fantastic score and it generally is. Yeah. It's a fantastic score. Like the Morricone undertones are throbbing yes. throughout this thing it's, and actually, um, he said he
1: it was i read something and said he was influenced by as by, soon as i heard he
0: it, it was more it's more like the kind of qu- the choir or choral sounds which i heard which just smacked of it for me but and obviously Moroccone is synonymous with the westerns as well but uh, we also mentioned him on our scores and soundtracks episode go back and listen but yes. um, the soundtrack is fantastic at building atmosphere but it is but it doesn't Telegraph, it isn't kind of oh, here comes a scary moment. Let's have it really, let's have the music really loud. The music is this kind of it's atmospheric, it's almost like a sound bed behind what's happening at times. Obviously, then they've got this you got this you got the soundtrack, sorry, which is a bit more upbeat, but the score, sorry, that is I think the score is so so good. And I'm so sad that he's not coming back for the fifth film because, yeah, his last few scores, well, quite a few of them, I haven't really been particularly bothered by he did the fear street trilogy and i didn't obviously the soundtrack and those literally does beat you around the face but the score i thought it was fine he did chaos walking with the english rose daisy ridley and again scores fine he did venom let there be carnage score is fine there's he, uh he worked so well in he did ford v ferrari which was really good but I would have loved to have seen him come back and pull a John Williams and like score all of the films in this franchise. I don't know who's doing Scream five. I can't remember, but we'll mention that in a minute. But I think honestly, his score is we've said it before on that episode, a score is fundamental to a movie's success because Scream would still be a good film. But if you add a, if you take that score out and add something more generic, like you see in the conjuring, the devil made me do it, for example, or something, Something is lost. Same with Star Wars. if you take Star Wars, the music out, you add something a bit more sci-fi. The whole dynamic changes. And it's the same here with Scream. I think the dynamic of the film changes. The score it lends that kind of horror. I know it's going for the Western and the Maracony, but it feels h- horrifying to me because it's just suffocating. Like I say,s the, the move, the music is atmospheric, even if the film is, you know, at, at times being a bit funny or a bit black comedy. The score never budges; it always stays like that, and I think his scores throughout the films remain similar, which is why I think even the crap screen films, uh, the scores work and they add more to it. But honestly, the score here. Uh, Hundred percent. We
1: talked about that, right? Like in our Mm -hmm. in our um, music uh, episode about how scores can really lend. It's like a whole other character, kind of there bringing you through this movie with the music you know and um, the better the score like the better the more enjoyable the film usually is right and I love scores I'm one of those kind of like nerdy people that
0: oh, like I have scores that?
1: on my from movies that I love on my playlists um, on my so
0: everyday generally too as well At least once a yeah, day I have a uh, score or something going on
1: just super fun and um, so, yeah, he did an amazing job, and I don't know if many people know this, but if you watch the credits all the way through, there is a song that finishes off the credits It's actually written by him, and I think someone else, but it's this song, it's just totally random, I don't know, it's, it's <laughs> lyrical, it has lyrics, like, it, um, and I was like, oh, this song is pretty cool, like, I think it was just written just this for, not maybe not just for this movie, but just, he wrote it, and then they just included it in the credits, so um if you're interested in that song it's really hard to find like you can't find it anywhere actually as you can only actually i think it's on youtube somewhere um nice but you can really only hear it in the movie so um it's called i don't care and it is written
0: well don't don't be me what's it called
1: it's called i don't care (laughs)
0: that joke i don't
1: care yeah
0: i know i didn't get that until the second i don't care
1: come on give me some score, credit here. the score for the upcoming scream film is going to be scored by brian tyler
0: okay he's he did, a busy boy um, yeah.
1: iron man 3 avengers age of ultron uh eagle eye yep um uh triple x the return of Xander cage yeah, stuff like that so it'll, we'll see
0: yeah we'll interesting see. i wonder if he's gonna kind of vibe with Beltrami <coughs> stuff similarly to how G- giacchino did with um rogue one and there's just john williams in there there's giacchino in there same with john powell solo there's john williams there but it's quintessentially a john powell score i wonder if we'll get that with brian tyler if, he, if he'll have if he'll pay you know, a lot of homages to Beltrami or they're gonna go a different way. You've gotta have you, there's a certain sound that makes the scream films fly. You've gotta keep that, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: But, absolutely. Yeah. If you ask me, the music is absolutely elevates these films, but um yeah they're, they're that scene with with um Dewey, Dewey Um, smashing back the ice cream. It did make me want an ice cream. But then before that, when then after that, obviously it's the party. And this is now where we start. This is where the third act begins. The party. Now Gail Weathers turns up because she wants to get the goss. And she's she's manipulating Dewey. Let's not get two ways about it to start with. Throughout the film, she's using Dewey. She knows he's naive and he's vulnerable in that sense. She's
1: in it for herself. She's talking about the book sales, like you know, the sacrifice of these kids. Yeah, and he Uh, he doesn't care about that. She
0: doesn't care about Dewey, but he doesn't know that. He's just like a he's like a little like smitten schoolboy. But obviously, then we find, and then when they get to the party, and they're like what's she doing here? And he's like, she's with me. That's like, oh, bless him. He's a, he's, a, he's like a little puppy dog in love. But the, the party is the start of the third act and everything goes wild from here. And I loved it. <laughs> I was here for it.
1: Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a good, it's kind of cool. So uh, fun fact, this whole party scene took 21 days to film.
0: 21 and this house- days?
1: yeah, this house that they filmed that had just become available because the owners had like passed away or something like that, or the owner. Okay. And so, you know, they got this whole house to themselves. It's massive, by the way, it's just this crazy big house. And, um, uh, yeah, so it took 21 days to film. They, apparently the crew made shirts that said, we survived scene one, one, eight. Cause that's what the, <laughs> the whole scene was called. And, uh, the cast is saying that it was like the longest scene in horror history or something like that. Because like, if you think about it, it's all in one place and it's just like this continuous and it only goes over for like a two hours in the movie, but to film all these scenes, is just insane. Right. So, so yeah, yeah. The, the last act quite fun, lots of stuff going on here. Um, so they got this curfew and then Stu decides to throw a big, Uh, a rager at his house and a bunch of people come here come there uh dewey's there like you said earlier and and uh, gail shows up because she's you know trying to get the scoop and she wants to be there in case anything happens um and then he invites her in the house and she brings a, a little palm camera with her and she goes into the house and all these teenagers are, Oh, like love your show and all this stuff. And she's just like, Oh, that's great. And she plants a camera <laughs> in the living room and, um, goes back to the van. And then, Oh, and one of the things, so like I was saying at the very beginning, how this movie kind of, they say, it's like a lot of times they say things and then those things happen. Um, so when Dewey comes in with her, he sees like a kid drinking and he grabs his beer and he's like, let me have that son, or you're too young, or something like that. He's like, Uh, oh, uh, I'm just kidding, have a good time, have a good time, drive, drive safe, or something like that. And then yeah, we you might, see this on. guy later, um, you know, something happens later where the bunch of them get up to leave because they have to go to the school, and they all just hammered. And He's one of the guys that gets up, <laughs> like he's just wasted to, and he goes into the car, and then and then he almost runs Dewey over. So it's just like. You know, there's a lot of foreshadowing yeah. and the things that they say, if you, the closer attention you pay to what they're saying, the likeliness that you were able to predict was actually going to happen in, in the movies. Oh. <laughs> so that I find that really interesting.
0: But because of course I almost ran him over. We then get the, we then get the, the classic uh, romance scene of Dewey and Gale rolling down the hill and he just lands on top of her. <laughs> And then um and really they have their little <laughs> they have their little kiss. But then she stops him because uh, and then because Neil Prescott's car is there. But no, you're you're right. The uh there's a lot of foreshadowing because we mentioned up top that they kind of they next they they explain or they sign post telegraph where the film was going. But there are also moments like that where yeah, Dewey just tells the kid who's underage, Oh yeah, just go get hammered, have a good time. Twenty minutes later he's almost running him over but um we get more we also get more with randy don't we when randy's telling the the teens the yes. rules of horror but uh well, before that before, before that, that though is the, actually one very the big, close to big like big the moments.
1: beginning of the party mm-hmm. um they're watching horror films and they're talking again like yes you said like randy's talking about all this stuff and about yeah. jamie lee curtis and like um women showing their boobs in horror films and all this kind of stuff, and then um Stu asks Tatum to go get
0: well, some
1: more beers
0: asks so, tells <laughs>
1: tells yeah. yeah, so she goes to the garage to get some beers and then uh lo and behold the door closes and and guess who's there standing there Ghostface! Oh,
0: ghostly just happened to be at the party and we yeah. cannot i cannot let this scene go by without referencing the the scene that a lot of people use this the, 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 the screenshot the pause moment Tatum's standing at the door and baby it's cold outside I think it's like it's just really really odd yes and, they, and then but then later on in the scene it's not it isn't like that yeah I mean she's, she's, that that is not so apparent but you know Wes Craven because they've just been talking about girls in cinema sorry women in horror films and the guys are loving the idea of just boobs and then he cut to the next scene, Tatum's there, yeah, I just throw th- throw that in again as a sort of strange um kind of hand holding exercise that they did, like they mentioned it, then this happens, and then um then we get another cool line actually when she's like, please don't kill me, I want to be in the sequel like uh, that's a, a, and it's it's riffing on the the well the treatment of women in horror films, but also the fact that. Horror films always get a sequel. Wow. crap they are! They usually get a sequel. Yeah, and, uh, it was a fun line of first to say, but um, I quite liked the fact that she just stopped throwing beer bottles at him and <laughs> just like laying him yeah. out with these beer bottles. And then, I, I people say that trying to escape through the cat flap was a stupid idea. It was the only way of escape. The door was locked. The only way out of there was through the cat flap because she tried lifting the door, but she, but it wasn't going. Um, she couldn't stand by the door uh, pushing the the garage door to open because she would have got gutted so the only way for it to go was through the cat flap Yeah, yeah it doesn't sound very it sounds quite nonsensical but also if someone's trying to kill me and the only, the only thing I can see is a cat flap I'm getting trying, that's the only thing I'm using, I'm in a fight or flight moment I'm, I'm getting out where however I can
1: Hmm. I mean, what are you gonna do? Like you said, like, you know, you see a, a possible out. You may as well go for it, right? Exactly. Um, apparently, that was Wes Craven's assistant's idea was to was to put her in a to the thing. And then I also read that she was so small that she actually sort of was like falling out of it. And I was like, <laughs> it doesn't look that small. No. You know, I don't know. So they said they had to like um, nail her shirt to the thing so that she like wouldn't fall. Out of it. um So yeah, she was like one of the only ones that didn't die of a stab wound. Um, uh, no,
0: she didn't. No, not at all. Yeah,
1: yeah. He did cut her on the arm because yeah. at first she actually thought that he was Randy.
0: <laughs> everyone thinks it's Sydney. Thought it was Randy as well earlier on in the film, didn't she? <laughs>
1: yes. Um, when she
0: when he phoned her in the first time.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because
0: everyone he thinks he's it's that, Randy. He's
1: that guy. He's that silly guy. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, she thinks it's right. She's actually like joking around with him. She's like, Oh, is this where you, you know, kill me or whatever. And then he's just like nodding, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, Can I be yeah. the
0: helpless victim? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, and so then after this, so what happens, is the, she goes into the cat thing and then the killer turns the, the door on to lift up. And then she starts going up and smashes her head in. Pretty brutal way to go. Um, Yeah. So then after that, we find Billy at the party, who apparently was not supposed to be invited, but he shows up anyhow. And uh, Sydney's there, and she decides that she wants to talk to him. And uh, we see our final girl finally deciding that she's ready, she's not afraid to have sex anymore. And Mm -hmm. so she and Billy are, while, while Randy is basically telling the the crew about the rules of horror films, <laughs> they're having sex upstairs. And at that same time, the house gets a phone call saying that um, the principal was dead and he was hung from the flagpole at the school. And so all the drunk kids get up and run out of the house and get into their cars and on and go. see. At this time, too, Dewey and Gail Weathers have also gone for a walk down the road because uh, they think they found um, Sydney's dad's car. Yes. In the bushes. So instead of taking his car, he was like, I, I feel like it's a nice night and that we should walk. And so they're walking and they're, like, flirting. He's, like, trying to flirt with her and stuff. And we find out his name is actually Dwight
0: which <laughs> yeah. i love and she's like sorry <laughs> yeah, yeah
1: sorry <laughs> yeah. i love yeah. it
0: and then she would she then she riffs on her own name like gail weathers because it's a it's, i sound like a, new, a meteorologist or something. that's it a news reader called gail weathers yeah. Yeah, it's just something that doesn't quite work for it there but see that's fun again it's little moments like that where that's the kind of that's the kind of stuff i'd imagine would happen if you've got like a two people who are suddenly realize actually i think i might we quite like each other that's the kind of stupid dialogue you get, where she's like, she could have, you know, like, my name's Dwight, and she doesn't beat around it, but she's like, sorry, sorry yeah, it's it's fun that like, cute little cutesy little humour without being like um, satiric. So, and it, but again, so, I mean, it felt natural to me. That felt like something that they would say, and her mocking her own name because, let's face it, Gail Weathers, come on. So, um,
1: yeah, it's a little bit we get really to see well a little written. bit of Gail kind of um,
0: dropping that facade a bit. Uh,
1: Yes, exactly. It just, there's no, um, yeah, fakeness there. She's actually mm-hmm. genuinely, I think, she actually genuinely thinks that Dewey's kind of cute, right? Yeah. Like, she is using him, but there's a certain uh, charm that I think is getting her. And so then, like like you mentioned earlier, the kids got in, their, they got in their cars and they almost run them off the road. They do run them off the road because they're about to hit them and they roll on Dewey, like, they roll down the hill and Dewey rolls on to top of her and he Jesus. kisses her, and it's kind of like a, he seems sort of inexperienced, right? Um, and then she looks over and sees the car, and she's like, what did she say? Um,
0: oh, she said, like, this is what we think be- we found it- what
1: we are looking for. Something
0: like that. that, and he's like, oh, my life.
1: Yeah, and then he's <laughs> but he's just looking at her the whole
0: time, and yeah, she, she grabs and she's saying, uh it's just really funny <laughs>
1: and she's like no and like turns his
0: head you he can't you um, can't catch a break that dude can he even when he yeah. even when he gets to uh to make out with the woman he's he's wanted to for so long since he was 25 or 20 that's not oh, what you're not looking 20.
1: for that's yes,
0: what he it. Says. and then well, that watching it the moment he finally wants gets interrupted by him having to do his job because he has to now investigate the girl so <laughs> yeah God damn it poor dewey
1: poor dewey um all right, mm-hmm. so now we've established maybe Gail isn't like the the most heartless biatch that we've ever come across. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so then, kind of, we get back to Sydney and, and Billy post sex, and suddenly Sydney seems kind of inquisitive, like she, you know, and you just you have moments and then you start thinking about things. Mm-hmm. She asks Billy who his first phone call was. Yeah. When he was in jail, and he said, oh, "I called my dad," and she's like, "No, sheriff, sheriff whatever." Did. Called your dad? And he's like, "When I called, I didn't get an answer." And then he's all, "Oh, well, you don't think I, you don't know, still think it's me?" And she's like, "No, no." Then we see Sydney's face like turn from being kind of mm, to freaked out uh, because Ghostface walks in and stabs Billy. Dun, she, dun, Sydney can't catch a break. She just lost her virginity to this guy, and uh, suddenly he's being killed in front of suddenly her. Suddenly he's
0: being yeah, like, yeah, Suddenly he's being sliced and diced in front of her. Yeah. And this for the audience as well, because the whole because up until that moment, the whole time you are led to believe it's him. You know, with the cell phone uh, dropping at his feet, being arrested. Randy keeps saying, he keeps saying, "Are you trying to tell me that that doesn't fit the profile of a killer?" The whole yeah. time, Billy. Billy's just kind of really creepy and shady and the looks he gives and the way, the way he treats people. You see, like, this is like, this is like, this is the killer. And then that moment comes and it's like, Oh, cause you don't at any point think, you know, you like, there's one killer. That's what you think. Shit. He's just killed Billy. Oh my God. We, we, this is the twist. Now the twist is that it wasn't Billy all along. He was innocent. And all the time we've been judging him, we've been doing it wrong. So we're almost made to feel bad in that moment as well as, um, Sydney. But it, I I first time I watched it it was a huge surprise to me because you just don't expect it and then obviously Sydney gets she p- gets pushed off the roof and makes a run for it but um, yeah that moment is a really decent little moment especially considering that it isn't even the final twist
1: Exactly yeah so we see Sydney running all through this house trying to get away after he stabs after the killer stabs uh Billy uh He starts going after Sydney and, of course, you know, going upstairs and trying to lock doors. And she finally makes it out the window and lands in this boat that apparently had a ton of life jackets in it. And then runs into, I believe it's Randy. And he's like, I think that's how it goes. Oh, no, no, no. Randy's still downstairs. It's kind of funny that he can't hear this, but I guess he's sort of out of it, right? Oh yeah, he's too. But um,
0: he's, he's into the film. He doesn't care about anything.
1: We see Randy uh, watching the thing after Sydney escapes, and That's then it. we see the killer. So fun fact here: the only time an actor appears in the costume is when Ski Ulrich put gets to wear the costume in this scene where he is about to kill Randy, but doesn't get around to. But he, he hears a scream and and leaves. And so uh while this is happening, Gail and her cameraman are watching the video in their van and they see this happening. And then what happens?
0: Uh well they see it happening and um well, Sid gets to the T V van, the cameraman mm-hmm. goes out goes outside and of course <laughs> he's immediately killed. Sydney then manages to escape out the back. Um so we get that because there's that there's that thirty second delay which he's a he's a part he's aware of at Sydney isn't so and then he sees the front doors like front is open and he gets killed and ends up kind of somehow on the top on the the roof of the car but um yeah we kind of
1: laughed about that watching this for like because like, I was did like
0: oh, I was like he's <laughs> underneath the car fine then he yeah he's on him there. Was exactly
1: like, it was a, like, how, whole film, the film she was making you know Gail was making fun of his weight or whatever. Um, He'd be just like, well, why that did he... Tub of lard oh, honestly. Stress, but then somehow be... the killer got him on the roof, I guess. So, it, you
0: yes. know, that was kind of funny. The fun part <laughs> is, again, again, it's movie logic. The reason, the reason why it happened because, well, the director wanted it to, but at the same yeah. time, you've got to think, did he put them on there? What happens if nobody... had? What, what happens if no, If Gail didn't get in the van and see him? It would have been pretty pointless, wouldn't it? But then, but yeah, what made me laugh was when Gail does get into the van and randy pops up and she just starts l- hitting him with the phone she just starts like beating yeah. him with the phone I was, oh, like, and, and then there's blood on the windscreen and she's like kenny i'm sorry but get off my get off my fucking windshield i <laughs>
1: yeah. was
0: like Fuck, courtney cox is having a lot of fun here that made me laugh again because we see her open up a little bit to dewey but then immediately she just beats the shit out of randy and kenny's dead and even, and even then, she's like, "Just get off my windscreen." You know, Eve's got no sympathy for the dead in that moment. She's like, I, "I'm here. Yeah. for, I'm safe for myself." You know, sorry, mate, but off you get. And then yeah. she crashes well, the car. this you know, you
1: know, this is the the race to basically find out. Like they're the last ones left here. The killers are there. Yep. The killer, sorry, the killer is there, and like, which I uh, think is Neil. Yeah, and so like, what do you? what do you do? You know, everyone's like, okay, now it's my life or, you know, I'm dead. So everyone's scrambling. Sydney is yep. running. Randy's there. It's just crazy. So
0: it's fun. It's yeah, fun. it's fun.
1: It's fun. And then, um, so after that happens, uh, Gail. Oh, after that happens, Sydney, she, I guess she had been like kind of, I don't know, running around or something, but she ends up back at the house and the door opens to the house and Dewey comes kind of out. He has this weird nice face and then he just stumbles and falls and we see that he's been stabbed in the back. That poor then, bastard can't catch a yeah. break
0: in any of these films.
1: And then we have a great, great little scene there where the killer comes to the, like, right to the, into the door frame. I love that. Mm, yeah. You know, that's a really, really
0: uh, fun. Intimidating shot. And the with way he just the, with the yanks music and everything. Yeah, he just the he knife, out. The knife yeah. out. Yeah, know, like, graces, ouch, no airs, yeah. graces, Yeah, he's like, because we're game. Why wouldn't you assume Dewey's dead in that moment? Yeah, why wouldn't you? He, he's been stabbed in the back. He collapses. The killer isn't finishing him off. He just takes the thing, takes the knife out. Sydney gets into the car, but the killer's got the car keys because it's a police car. Dewey is a police officer, hence why he would have the keys. Yeah, it's, the, the amount of times you think, oh, Sydney's she's 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 dead. She dead. She did. <laughs> she, she, finds, she did, and she finds a way to get out of it. But that like well,
1: scene itself, when she's in the car and like he ducks down, and then all the locks start coming up, and she's trying to like oh. put the locks down, and she's like, "What the fuck?" Um, and then she hears someone over the police radio, and she radios in that you know where she is, and that that the killers are there, and then you see the you see the back uh, trunk door opening up. And Go. He, the killer comes, and she gets away again. So this of is course. now breaking down the trope of the you know, and if the final girl doesn't always have to be a virgin, but there's usually some sort of relationship yeah. to like sex and death, and that she yeah. has already had sex at this point, and she gets away again, and then she goes to get Dewey's gun, and then Randy comes, and he's holding his, I think his
0: lay I don't know something he got I don't know he got beaten again. by
1: Courtney Cox and, and then the stews like and then there's this sort of oh. back and forth between Randy and Randy's Stephen.
0: the killer, she, she's He's holding the killer. A
1: gun at everybody and they're pointing fingers at each other and she's like fuck you both and yes, it she closes cl- the door the door locks them out or whatever um, and then here we're oh.
0: about to get to the
1: best, the climax, the the part where we find out who is the killer.
0: Yeah, well, the who is the only one killer? There's only one killer in this film, so you led to believe. Mm. Uh, uh. Yeah, that and... scene is great. Give me, give me the gun. Gives, yeah, g- so Billy
1: suddenly alive. And he is like, oh, Cindy, and he has all his blood on his shirt. And he falls down the stairs and it's all very dramatic and everything. And then he's like, uh, you know, she's, she's all worried about him. And he's like, give me the gun. And he, you could hear them knocking on the door and stuff like that. And he goes, she's like, no, 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 he's out there. So she believes one of them, at least, is the killer, either Randy yeah, yeah. or Stu. Yeah. He opens the door she's like careful careful and then randy comes in and i guess Stu had left and then randy's like he's gone mad and then we get a really cool shot of billy he turns his head and he says we all get a little mad sometimes yeah and then he shoots,
0: shoots randy
1: in the shoulder and and then he starts talking about like uh, movies Anthony Perkins Psycho I guess that was a That's lot Psycho and apparently and then, this house that they're in is kind of looks very yeah, I mean, similar
0: yeah. to the one in Psycho it, it does um, and they talked about so the then, corn syrup like the same one they use in Carrie yeah. like there's lots of film references thrown in there um, yeah I. That, just, just on that bit that line is is great because we've just seen Billy it's, it's the whole kind of you should see it coming but you don't we saw Billy getting stabbed we've seen that what who we assume is one of the killers outside he, at that moment hey look i'm sure somebody says i saw it coming maybe he did but you, when you see billy stumbling down the stairs i didn't know any point thing right he's the killer but you know what i mean i just didn't think it the first time i saw it um and then when he says yeah we all go a little mad sometimes like yep perfect like, line to oh, use.
1: oh shit it's,
0: yeah. It's just, yeah the shit is just hit the fan the, the that's the needle drop perfect line to use um yeah and then it's then and then it's what i was what my notes to say are is the kitchen scene and they they end up back um, into the kitchen my That's favorite great shot so scene. we
1: so we've, we haven't revealed that right after he <laughs> says that and shoots randy uh sydney turns around to escape and runs right into stew and she's oh. like please help me and stew lifts up a a voice
0: Modulating. Thing, a
1: modulator and says what is it? I say, like, sorry, Sydney or something like that. And then we realize that it's both Stu and Billy who have been the killers this whole time.
0: Which is a great twist.
1: Yeah, and so they go into the kitchen, and he's all, this is where we kind of find out the motive, and they start discussing motive and stuff. There's this really great shot of them um, where she goes, you'll never get away with this, and they have, so he's so Stu is looking over Billy's shoulder. At, they're both looking at Sydney, and then their faces kind of go up at the same time. And then, you know, Billy's like, oh, no. And then he goes in to start explaining. But it's such a great little shot there. It's probably my favorite in the whole movie, just the over-the-shoulder, like, you know, uh, them so close to each other and just, mm-hmm. they're you know, seem like they're having actually so much fun. Um, kind of very sadistic and and gross um yep then got... they admit something even bigger which was actually really hard to believe at first you know i hate they explain why but yeah.
0: I, know. Um, well, I i like the fact that about that because i know what you mean is that they actually then that becomes like a central part of the law of scream like part two part three part four all deal with this revelation which is i'm so glad that they did and obviously the, it's the revelation that billy killed maureen prescott and oh, killed and were Wo- i know worse if 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 i could say so because maureen slept with billy's dad which then left billy's mum to leave him which meant he felt abandoned and all from there so he you know thought oh the best way to do it is to rape and kill this woman yeah. uh, and, th- and the so rest of the film is to- built on that
1: yeah and so back to my point about this sort of misogyny in um, mm-hmm. the men in this movie is yes. that this whole, like his whole, like Billy's whole reason for doing this was because Sydney's mom ruined his family. Yeah. His mom left their family because, um, because Sydney's mom was having sex with, with his dad. Yet there was absolutely mm-hmm. zero mention of his dad doing anything mm-hmm. wrong in this, yeah. you know, and it it seems it's, he's taking out the punishment on the women.
0: Yeah, but right? dad, dad, was just the innocent victim in all of this. He was he was right. seduced. they like, kind of yeah. He had he was you know, he so, was not to blame in any of this. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and it it was clear that um, there was a line somewhere in, in the film where he says he compares his mom leaving to Sydney's mom dying you know and and it's like okay dude not really the same thing at all (laughs) and even he's like alive and call her if you want my mom's dead like dumbass you know
0: (laughs) but it sounds like a billy thing to say because he's only got his mind on one thing and he's he's desperately trying to make up with her just so he can make out with her (laughs) how do you like that i think that sounded quite good um but in doing so, he's just talking absolute shit, basically. Like with that analogy, where you know, it's it's we're both the same. I understand you. My mum left as well. Like, oh, in fact, my mum's dead. Yours, yeah. She, like, say, like you said, you yours is. You know, if you really want to, you can find your mother. Uh, so, yeah, he's he kind of spoke himself into a drain there. But I understand what you mean, though, about how they just kind of frame Sydney's mother here as you know the 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 villain almost of the piece when you know there's more to it than that and it is that misogyny that they kind of call out early on in the film as well yeah and, then, and yeah, this, not only yeah. is
1: she like the villain but they punished her
0: mm-hmm. for what she
1: did but for whatever reason the dad is totally fine yeah, yeah. And, and, and not really ever mentioned we just see him in like one of the scenes in the police station right so and yeah, then know. he's pun. he wants to punish sydney and they punished, you know a lot of all the people except for the one guy at the beginning. Are being killed are primarily women, right? So it's Mm -hmm. to me that was like a very interesting take, like on the whole misogyny aspect of it. Um, uh, Yeah. And then I was thinking, like, there was a lot of definitely a lot of evidence throughout the entire movie that, in fact, was Billy. Yeah. I exactly. was doing this. was like a couple of times. So the one time when he was trying to kill Sydney, and then he showed up at her window. It it was like he comes very abruptly to the window, and he's wearing yep. like a dark shirt with with like I think it was like a white shirt under or something or like that. And then in, after he kills Tatum, he comes to the door really abruptly, and he puts his hands on the on the um what you call it like the wind like the sorry the door whatever like it was just mm-hmm. very reminiscent of that particular it's like i think it was like trying to tell you it's like we're giving you all these clues you know and, and they even make it like so obvious like the phone in the boot that was like the most obvious clue and you just don't i think the, as an audience we just don't really want to believe that they would give it away so quickly
0: no, you know they, so we they convince really do ourselves
1: that it's not him because we're like oh yeah the movie's just trying to Tell us, it's him. They're it trying really to, they're trying just, to just throw try us
0: to, a red herring here. Yeah,
1: exactly. And, it's um, really
0: obvious. when That's what I mean yeah. earlier on. Is when you rewatch it in hindsight. You know, Randy keeps saying like mm, he's the killer. Like, mm-hmm. that guy. What we don't know, obviously, is that Stew is in on it. But um there was a there, and there's there's a moment where at the beginning by the fountain where Stew says something uh, about the killing, and and Billy gives him a look, and it, and looking at it now, he's kind of looking at him to say shut up, you know, like, yeah. change, change tax right now, really interesting, but they, they they telegraph it the whole way, but like you said, you don't want to believe that the story is being that upfront and open as if to say, well, we're going to ruin the twist for you by saying he's the killer. By doing that, you know, it, you, even if you spent the whole film thinking it's definitely Stu, uh, Billy, sorry, but uh, and then they announce it that it's Billy, and you're like, oh, great. I knew it all along. I wonder how many people were then but then ter- we're like, oh shit, when Stu is also in on it because they make no reference whatsoever to Stu being in on this, and that is the genius of the twist. Is even yeah. if you've, even if you knew it was Billy, even if you knew it was, I, ga- I can guarantee you didn't know it was Stu, and that is great. And it's and it's there. And I love the two of them in that final in the kitchen scene where Billy is very, you know, he's very straight about things. You know, he's talking in his sexy voice. <laughs> but he's got, but, and I am going to kill you. That's not my sexy voice. I don't have one. But at the same time, Stu is just, Stu's just mental. You know, he's just, he's dribbling. He's so excited. You know, he's, you know, he's like he's like he's like orgasming from the mouth. He's yeah. so excited about this, and I love their kind of the, the 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 differences in the two of those. Like I said, the dichotomy between how one is cool, calm, and collected. So you imagine. So until until it goes wrong. Until the, until the gun is gone, and he's like shit. But well, then Stu is just crazy. He,
1: yeah, and Stu remains the, the comedic relief till the very end. And yes. that's what I kind of think it's funny. He's he's the kid here. He's like really thinks this is kind of a game. Yeah. He he even says that I'm pretty sure he even calls it a game. And so he's not really taking it seriously. It's like, he's like kind of a legit psycho, you know, yeah. like that's someone who just doesn't understand consequences.
0: He's so detached. Right? And, yeah.
1: and he finds the killing fun and, um, yeah, until something goes wrong. So then we get kind of in, we get, uh, them and the three of them in the kitchen and, um, we find out why they killed, uh, Sydney's mom, you know, um there's a scene those kind of the girls yesterday was like is very horny where he puts the knife in his mouth, you know, and he kind of like puts it on his lip or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's like you just don't really see that kind of thing, you know, and it was just really kind of plays into how like sadistic these guys are and and like masochistic and stuff and so um yeah, he's explaining to he explaining to Sydney that his her mom was this whore and you know had sex with his dad and ruined his family and put her out of her misery and all this stuff and um, he, yeah, it is really kind of this is quite the scene actually as I'm 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 watching it right now and I'm just like. <laughs> this is so much fun you know that's not really the normal behavior
0: no i'm starting to think (laughs) maybe you're in on this you're you're one of the killers too the way you're enjoying this (laughs) sadistically but no i i really like this scene and i don't i i could i get i imagine people probably watch this now and be like jesus matthew Lila, tone it down a bit mate but i think it works because like you say i think he's so detached from consequence that it is all part of a game so when he when he's screaming and dribbling literally like dribbling you know I, it it works because they think you know they've they've got they've done the perfect foil the perfect murder and they say yeah. how they're going to set kneel up when they're going to you know they they, they st- then they start stabbing each other which is the messed up part of the whole thing Right? and they just start stabbing and, and each he, other
1: and he i think it's it's Stu's Stu's uh trust And his friend, this friend has like figured all this out and that it's like the perfect scheme and they're going to get away with it, you know, Mm -hmm. and they're just, you know, having this fun time. But anyone who uh, is a serial killer that actually enjoys doing it is like a psycho, like they're crazy. Um, So then we actually find out that they had kind of, they had kidnapped Sydney's dad and they were going to pin it on, pin this whole thing on him. Because then, so you know, how do we found the car and everything? So it was really everything was pointing. They cloned his he cell was a phone, a so all yeah. the calls looked like they had come from Sydney's dad's phone. And um, so yeah, they start they start stabbing each other, like giving each other uh, wounds, um, so that it looked like that they were attacked as well, and they're victims here and stuff. It um, gets kind of out of hand. Billy gets. Pretty pissed after Stu um, stabs him and he steps hard really right in the side for it on Stu, and it just he's just crazy. It's just
0: it's just wild. um I'm feeling a little woozy here.
1: A <laughs> little woozy here. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. that's that. I, I. That scene is brutal. Like you say, is just. I. I don't ever want to feel what it's like to be stabbed, but I can only imagine that oh god just the fact that they're doing it and you're just watching it so bluntly happen and their reaction and when like i say billy seems like you know he's had enough and at one point you kind of think is billy gonna kill Stu here so he's yeah. the only survivor so he, you know he literally you know he gets the sympathy vote and gets away with it um but no, gail weathers saves the day or does she yeah
1: so he asks Stu to go get the billy asked Stu to get the gun and he turns around and apparently, this line from Matthew Willard was ad lib. Um, he says, uh, H- Houston, we have a problem yeah,
0: here. Yeah, <laughs> I was doing mental gymnastics. I was like, when, when did Apollo 13 come out? I was like, yeah. it came out the same year, did it? Or, or the year before? The uh, year like, right. before, I
1: think, Which yeah. we
0: spoke about. Go listen to the episode. I
1: did. That's a fun episode. It is. Uh, so they both come, the gun is gone. And suddenly they're both standing at the door of the kitchen or the entryway to the kitchen. And Gail's standing there pointing the gun at them.
0: It's the hero. Moment. Like, I
1: thought you said she was dead. And <laughs> she looked uh, it. She, she's. I got a great lot. I got a great ending. The reporter comes to and like ruins it for you, finds the gun and ruins it for you dipshits. And, <laughs> yeah. and then, and then Sydney's like, I like that ending. And, um, <laughs> uh, Billy realizes that the safety is on the gun and she doesn't know. Don't. She tries to shoot it, fire it. He just like kicks her outside into the pole or whatever. And
0: on top of Dewey,
1: on top of Dewey,
0: well, resting on him yet. And, he,
1: and it, he's really going to shoot out. her. He's all like, yeah, he's mm-hmm. going to shoot her. And then another, signing and off. another slip up from, um, another slip up from uh, from the
0: guys. From
1: Stu. Yeah. Uh, because he was getting so excited and acting so crazy, he lost Sydney, and uh, she left the kitchen, and now she's gone. And
0: the tables are turned.
1: Yeah, he <laughs> just <laughs> loves to. He just shit. <laughs> like, <laughs>
0: he, just, like, he just keeps messing up. Did you um, did you really tell my mum and dad? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you bet. You, you bet. No, yeah, that's great. Gail okay, Weather signing off. That's a very cool line. But yeah, when when she turns the tables, um, I I don't know if there's a if I'm just making this up, but whereas in the, the usual trope is when you have sex in these films you die. It seems to be that when when Sydney has sex, it almost she almost kind of becomes emboldened after that, and actually suddenly right. becomes she becomes more of this yeah. final girl that we're expected to see, or she becomes. More, i don't want to say confident i don't think that's the right word but she just, bec- she just becomes the sydney that we know after that moment rather than yeah. oh no she's gonna die now because they've done it so um and it's this moment where, like the tables have turned she's, she's saved her dad but she's who on the you phone you
1: were before like yeah, exactly she had perfect sex. yeah
0: perfect yes perfect way yeah. of putting it but yeah she's on the phone she's got the voice modulator and billy's going <laughs> mad and then he just throws the phone at Stu.
1: Out his head, like too, he's like bleeding
0: out. And and again, he thinks he's just going to get away with it because it's all fun and games. He doesn't realize he's getting a phone thrown at him.
1: Yeah, and then Billy's losing it. He's ripping pillows and freaking out and throwing yeah, because she and might be under Did the you pillow. Really call the police. She's like, I bet you're sorry, I bet you're sorry ass I did. He's like, Mom and dad are you so mad at me? Yeah. <laughs> apparently that was also Ad It shouldn't well. be
0: funny. It really shouldn't yeah. be but,
1: but it worked. And then uh so we get he's looking for her and he hears hears Halloween playing in the background. The scene where J. Billy Curtis in like the closet and Michael's trying to get it on yeah. all the hangers and stuff are thinking he goes to the closet opens it doesn't see anything and then he realizes it's just actually the movie and then sydney comes out with an umbrella and stabs him <laughs> with an umbrella and um so apparently so he was wearing padding under his shirt for this or obviously like you know, gonna, whatever and well, they
0: probably won't kill him but yeah they,
1: there was like two spots where he's supposed to say this is like a stunt person right and yeah yeah there are two spots that they were supposed to hit. They got one, and uh, the second one hit him where he wasn't supposed to. Apparently, Ski Ulrich had open heart surgery when he was a kid. He had heart problems, and he has this like steel, like like thing in his in his chest. And any time that it's like hit or whatever, it like hurts quite a bit, and he hit him, like, right there. And so you see this very genuine oh. reaction to him getting hit in that spot. And they kept it in the movie, but it was, like, it hurt like a mother, apparently. And then you, you just see his face, like, damn. oh, and that was, like, a legit, like, <laughs> damn, like, that hurt. Um, and then Stu comes, and he, he tries to attack Sydney, and then they fight a little bit, and she ends up, um, Throwing a, a TV onto his face,
0: Jesus, and, yeah. yeah, which is also a yeah, kind of a homage, almost to a Nightmare in Elm Street, one that he was Craven didn't do, but he wrote the original script for. I don't think it yeah. is, but it reminded me of Dream Warriors, where there's a famous TV themed death there as well. Um, but yeah, that 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 looked like it hurt like an absolute mother. So we know that Stu is definitely dead here. Yeah, you know, there's no way he's coming back from that, Billy. Yeah, stabbed, but Stu ain't coming know. back.
1: One of the girls that I watched the movie with last night said, uh, Stu is literally killed by a horror movie because <laughs> yeah. Halloween, Halloween is playing on the TV and the horror movie killed Stu, you know? And all
0: the tropes of that film were in this film and they reference yeah. it so many times. No, it, they, they, and they talk about it, it happens in the movies. Well, yeah, the movie happened to Stu. He ain't coming back from that. He's dead. And you assume Billy is as well. But of course, we get the the horror, the classic horror movie moment with, with Billy.
1: And they actually talk about it right before it happens, just like in so many of the scenes in this movie. Uh, Randy says, hold on one second here. <laughs> the timing of this is really great. He says, careful, this is the moment when the supposedly <laughs> dead killer comes back for one last scare. And then we see Billy go, ah, and then Sydney has a gun and she shoots him in the head
0: straight in the and head and she
1: says not in my movie and there is your final girl
0: yeah well there
1: is the, your like yeah so
0: well, well actually i'm gonna well actually here i know it's a joke and <laughs> okay. i know, know it's a line but it did happen in her movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> because it happened he did get up and <laughs> scare everyone and then she shot yeah. him yeah so, that's true but that's very it, true hey look that's me being let me just push my glasses back up my nose now okay i'm gonna come down from my. <laughs> my geeky high holes but no it's 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 a great it's a great line all joking aside is it joking yes i was but it did happen in her movie but no all all, all joking aside it is like you say that's the moment then she's not messing around she shoots him square straight in the middle of the forehead not mm. in my movie wham bam <laughs> thank you ma'am sydney is a badass at that moment you know she's not fucking around anymore i really yeah. really like that and it, it is it is uh, uh, is it a step too far you know when they're with the whole look look at how clever we're being maybe but i enjoyed it because it, 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 sometimes they what do they say they're not dead in tdc confirmation where we saw right. Stu get a tv on his head we've yeah. just seen billy get shot in the head now we know for sure they're not coming back yeah and it's
1: played out in the end of the second movie too um
0: yes and more and
1: more of that so that's kind of you know it's at the back. It, it, the back of my head now like you never know if someone's really dead until they you know they're really
0: dead. <laughs> like until you, you see the body or shoot them p- in the head
1: or something like that.
0: Yeah you yeah. ain't get skeet old oh, Rick Billy he ain't getting up from that. Sorry, ski but um yeah and that's 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 kind of where the film ends and it, it doesn't it, it, this is this film was made in a different era where it didn't necessarily set up a sequel. It was just this is a standalone film. I'm not surprised they made a sequel because it's made bucks but it wasn't they didn't end on a um moment of like the killer's hand twitching or anything like that it's just a standalone horror film which i really like i can watch this film start middle and end i don't need to watch the other four three um yeah yeah because this is its own film and and i I appreciate it for that so um yeah that was screen
1: closes out with uh, we get to see so one of the things is that they were probably they were debating whether or not they were going to kill dewey um, and then apparently when they tested Dewey. this tested this movie on an audience, they loved him. And so we get to see Dewey at the end of the movie going into an
0: ambulance. Of lot. course, yeah. Yeah. I'm so sure. that's, that's a Weathers relief for a lot of the,
1: the fans. And then the classic, I think it just happens in this movie, the scream really quickly, the title of the movie, and then you see like the ghost face and then the credits start. And that's really cool.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh I, the girls yesterday asked me to give a, a big fuck you to the Weinstein brothers, the producers of this movie. So oh, we I will saw, give a massive fuck you screen. to the Weinsteins. Fuck you guys, especially you, yeah. Harvey. Fuck you. So.
0: Rotting hell, you, you scumbag. Yeah. And in jail, where you're going to stay, uh, <laughs> regardless yeah. of your pretend illness. Uh, yeah. Yeah well yeah so the, it's the fact that they're is. associated is a is is a massive shame but i shall not let those disgusting people take away from how much i enjoy this film because the cast I the agree. crew kevin williamson wes craven they made this film um they're the ones they're the ones who are pivotal to the success not the fat cats at the top uh pocketing the money from it so um, yeah but yes i totally agree with that sentiment and i would echo it and i'm sure everyone else will as well <laughs> but um yeah scream
1: yeah
0: wonderful film full of so many so many iconic lines, some from other films which have been repurposed. Uh, great moments, one of the best, even not the best opening of a horror film ever. I really do think it's gen- genuinely that good. Good comedy, good horror, good tension, good characters. It's not really much I, ca- I can say I didn't like. Is there anything from watching this film which you thought, other than kind of what I you did mentioned? I did find this, one what, thing. Like, uh,
1: I found one thing. Uh-huh. It's nothing to do with the actors or anything. Uh the sound editing in this film is not great.
0: Ooh, do tell.
1: There's really a lot of really cool sounds, like your typical like the knife pull and yeah. a lot of things. But yep. if you watch this movie with the intent of just listening to all the different sound effects, a lot of the stuff doesn't really line up very well. And we were watching <laughs> it in like a home theater, uh, very loud last night and you could hear some like fully sounds for like the doors and so it just it it I don't know if they meant to do it like that, That's but it just wasn't done very well. And like some of the sounds, um, for example, at the beginning s- sequence when the boyfriend in the chair was being killed, like mm-hmm. you would they have a shot of him or? you start to hear him making the uh, uh, sound like he's being killed, but he hasn't <laughs> even started yet. Like, I don't know. They started it too soon. I don't know. It just, <laughs> it just didn't, it made no sense.
0: And, Damn. Now uh, I've got uh, to go back listen. I've watched
1: this movie so many times that now I pay attention to a lot of other things. So I've noticed mm-hmm. other yeah, things. Yeah. I just, I just didn't really like uh, it. I, w- I felt a lot of the sounds were very exaggerated, which I kind of like, like when, when uh, Henry Winkler is, like, cutting up the masks with the scissors, there's, like, scissor sounds, but they're oh, very aggressive. Like, aggressive, and, like, yeah. That's not what, not what they sound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. like, I don't know. Like, they sound, it sounded like scissors, but it was, like, very loud and very, I don't know, it just didn't match up with what was going on. But maybe they did that in pur- on purpose. But, yeah, it's I don't, I don't know if I how I felt about the fun. sound editing. That's my only real gripe about
0: foley artists out there do better Um,
1: (laughs) no no i just (laughs) i I, think that we probably missed a lot of callbacks and because i'm not very versed in horror film um i don't i only know the things that i either read about or that were pointed out to me by other people aside from the Freddy thing which i did did get (laughs) myself but you know, for the anyone listening, sorry if we missed uh, some callbacks here. I'm sure there were like so many, um, but uh, maybe comment or point them out to us. Oh, there's
0: there's yeah. so many, like the entirety of Halloween, uh, the howling they mentioned. Obviously, Linda Blair being in there, Fred, the janitor. Yeah. Um, there are there are plenty. Like the score in itself, there are so many. And like, yeah, I think there's going to be like well. a little, like a bunch of little
1: things that mm-hmm. I we didn't notice,
0: you know, that are probably in there. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, there's probably people watching this again years later, are still picking up on who hadn't seen a particular film. Now they've seen it, they rewatch Scream and think, "Oh, hold on, that's where that's from." So there's there's probably so many shoved in there, but it wor- it works for me. It works for me that and that. And there's nothing I don't I don't think there's anything um, that I that I didn't like in this film. Uh, I think, I think the, the, because it's all practical, of course, the, the the kills look genuine. Uh, Yeah. I think the, the tension is good. The music works. The acting is as good as it can be for a film like this. I don't think there's any particularly bad performances. Henry Winkler is certainly hamming up, hamming up, but that's fine uh, because this film is winking at the audience the whole time. It works. If this film was playing it straight, Henry Winkler suddenly seems very, out of place in this film with his performance but yeah. because the film is winking then it I generally can't think of anything I'm trying to think off the top, off the top of my head Um I guess having re it in hindsight they really do push that Billy is the killer they really are telling you that this is it so but on yeah. first watch then, so what I'll
1: gets you off the ball from thinking that there are more than one you know that there is more yeah, than one. Yeah, no, it does. Yeah,
0: it, it, on first watch, this film is an absolute success because you don't ex- accept, except expect it. On rewatches, because you know Billy's the killer, it is. They really do are, are obvious in telling you that, but they don't telegraph you whatsoever. So, um, no, there's nothing it, that I really disliked about this film. G- generally, isn't. I like the fact that it ends when it does. It doesn't try to set anything up, um, and, I, and and the dialogue as well. I've seen a few films yeah. recently, Hollywood, sorry, horror films, which are <laughs> all by there. People don't, people, you say you don't go to horror for the dialogue. I do sometimes <laughs> scream is an example of decent dialogue, which fits the time and fits the characters for me. So nothing yeah. really that I didn't like, really can't think of anything, which I thought blew in this film.
1: It's a classic. I will forever enjoy this film. Um, can't really say the same about the rest of the films, but I still watch them. Any- yeah. Second one, anyways. Second um, one's am, good. I'm excited to see the the, the one coming out. Looks pretty no. brutal. Like, looks like it's going to be pretty. In fact, was it the fourth one? Like the last one they did with Emma Roberts that was pretty mm-hmm. like gory. I was Emma actually Roberts surprised at the amount is of. A win.
0: Yeah, the second one that is good. That one. The third one is generally known as being a bit rubbish because it is a bit cack. It's not. I, I don't. I do. not think the third one is awful. You know, the whole stab. I think it's fine. You know, it's, it's fine. I, I think by that point they'd they'd kind of outstayed their welcome. But then mm-hmm. Scream Four came. You know, they had a little bit of breathing room between Scream Three and Scream Four, which they needed. And I I quite liked Scream Four. Again, I don't think it's it's a masterpiece, and I know I shouldn't say that, but I think Scream Four was pretty solid to be fair and scream five i was really looking forward to scream five and i still am but the trailer didn't really do anything for me because i felt mm. i felt the trailer possibly gave too much away anyway mm. but um i don't know it just felt i i know what he, I, <laughs> I wasn't particularly excited about it
1: either like it's I was like oh my I god what, I can't wait I, but yeah. I obviously was like okay well I guess it's back and we'll see what they've come up
0: with but. you know what you go to screen for same as what people say you go to Halloween but you go to a screen film to see Ghostface kill people and to see characters in certain situations and the trailer gave me exactly that I saw mm-hmm. Ghostface I saw he's going to kill a lot of people and I saw characters in situations where I'd expect them to be kind of peering around a corner or, or opening a door more slowly to
1: me like, the what they yeah, showed of Ghostface in this trailer was seemed a little more, like, yeah, just, but, like intense. But, like, I don't know, there's something about this person. I wonder how like,
0: far they're going to stray, because the, the film we've just spoken about worked so well because it's a commentary on horror, meta commentary. Right, right. The, the further right. on they go, especially Scream 4, it, they kind of start to lose that a little bit and become more standard horror, which is what this first film was kind of having a little fun, having fun with they become they say
1: they call it a comedy and a horror movie
0: yeah and scream four i wouldn't call that scream or scream three really but as much but scream Four. so i wonder if scream five or whatever oh sorry scream the 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 fifth scream film to me doesn't look it doesn't look like they're going to go back to the horror comedy i wouldn't expect i wouldn't expect them to go so hard on the comedy but the trailer certainly said that this is going to be more of a straight up you know horror film rather than anything which I'm a bit, you know, I would have preferred something like scream because first it's a classic, but I think it works as a horror comedy. There's fun comedy in it, but like the, the introductory scene certainly isn't a comedy. Um, and there, and some of the kills in it on, you know, they're brutal. You know, I mean, the tension they build up as well. And mm-hmm. They, it, they, they certainly don't scrimp on the horror in this first film, which shows that you can do horror and dark comedy and still have a horror film, which mm-hmm. I kind of hope Scream five, does that. I hope they don't scrimp too much on the comedy just so they can give us a dark and gritty horror film because that's never really I, what Scream I, was in the first place.
1: Right, I didn't really feel I, yeah, I did get that dark and gritty kind of feeling watching the trailer. I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't get a lot of the any humour in there. So. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens, but um, definitely the first Scream, the original Scream is the Scream and we both quite like it, and we hope you did too. Yeah,
0: we better do. To do, do eats ice I scream in the film as well. So there's a there's an <gasps> oh, Easter egg.
1: Question for you.
0: Oh, oh no! That, which oh God,
1: character? That. Which character in Ooh. the movie says the title name?
0: oh um firstly i thought you were going to put on a voice much later and ask what's your no. favorite scary movie it is um it, 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 it's it's stew it's stew it, it is
1: Stu.
0: scream or something like that, not he yeah he does the house i can't
1: remember, I can't remember
0: what he what's says it? but it's a scream or something like that <laughs> yeah. well i'm going to ask you a question before this my final question to you and it is what's your favorite scary movie what is your favorite scary movie
1: um, I really enjoy the Halloween movies. I'm not really sure which one is my favorite, though. I am not a one? scary movie kind of person. Um, but for the horror genre, I really like the Halloween movies. I did find I don't know. We were actually talking about this yesterday. The Blair Witch Project. Oh I, yeah. There's some parts of that movie. I'm just like, okay, this is getting annoying. But then <laughs> something about it. It's just. Freaks me the F out. I don't oh, know what It, is it is. scares the hell out of me. Particularly the ending of the movie where, like, they're all scrambling and this God. house and you don't know what the hell's going on. And then you find this guy, like, was he levitating? He was, like, turned into the No,
0: he's just facing the wall. Know,
1: it was just so scary. I was, like, freaked out. I think because it takes place in the woods and I grew up living close to the forest. And oh, I don't know, yeah. It really, really creepy.
0: <laughs> hey, me. So, yeah, I'm... I think
1: that shit. Should... Um... Yeah, I don't I don't think I have a favorite scary movie. Maybe I don't really find Scream that scary. Mm-hmm. There's some moments there's some like intense moments, but I ne- I didn't really find it a scary movie. It was mm-hmm. just it's yeah. So I would say maybe, Hall- maybe Halloween 2.
0: No, fair um, do, which is funny because scary movie was the work was the original title for Scream. it was
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: halloween it's 2 actually often
1: made parodies
0: about that yeah which the first one was quite that. funny um yeah halloween 2 is all right actually i don't mind that i think it's fine uh halloween 3 I, I do think it's absolutely ass but it's fun though because it's got nothing to do with michael myers the song gets in my head and in retrospect looking back at it it's like you know what fair do say so wanted to do something different and as a standalone horror halloween 3 is actually pretty good but have you seen? Or are you going to see Halloween Kills?
1: Uh, <laughs> probably not. I after Halloween H two, I always watching Halloween movies. Yeah, I just
0: yeah. um, the twenty eighteen one was good. I the kind of which is now which is now the official sequel to the first Halloween. Um, oh, okay, I think that's that's actually really good. Um, yeah, Halloween Kills. Or maybe I'm thinking Halloween, just Halloween, like the first one.
1: I don't know. It's all yeah, Michael. I think I've already told you this, Michael Myers just scares the crap out of me (laughs) like if i see someone standing with like the cold get up and everything in the mask like i will run the other way like i i just think he's terrifying
0: laura's not running up the stairs in this (laughs) case
1: (laughs) no i am not but um at the beginning of h20 when you have what's his name is the doctor
0: describing
1: yeah describing um describing michael myers like as a child in the in the the crazy place um it's just really frightening like he has the blackest eyes and like he has no it's like he has no soul like he just
0: he's pure evil
1: he just doesn't you know and the the freaking guy has like a hundred lives you know and that's kind of what makes him the there's that sort of paranormal thing about him you know Mm -hmm. like but he's still the real life person like he started he murdered his sister when he was a kid like and i don't know he's terrifying so all the halloween stuff will always be scary to me i think um i try not to i try not to get too scared too often i did watch um what's that show they've had their third sort of like a kind of like an anthology um the haunting of hill house oh
0: yeah the blind manor and midnight mass yeah.
1: yeah was super creepy I, yeah, it was like, I had a hard time watching that. Like <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm not really into like haunted things, you know. And yeah. they, did yeah. really um, you know, they did a really good job at
0: that one. Things that can haunt me. Quite that. Yeah, yeah. They did a
1: really
0: good job. I like the idea, the, the idea that you, you try not to get scared. <laughs> you know, I, I try not to get scared. It's if you're kind of telling yourself, you know, try not to get too uptight about this. I think it's quite an admirable trade to have. But um, well laura loves the halloween films halloween is fast approaching in real life scream has just celebrated 25 years which only ever makes us feel old when i think about it um because yeah we did both watch it on on vhs by the time or television so um we did. 25 years of Scream. So i hope you enjoyed the scream episode yeah, anything we missed let us know anything which you did like or if you didn't like the film or just there were certain moments you thought you know what didn't work for me do 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 drop a, up a note, let us know what did or didn't work for you. But I, I, I'm feeling a little woozy here, Laura, uh, after two hours of talking about Scream. So thank you for giving your time to talk about the film.
1: Of course, my pleasure. Always a great time chatting with you.
0: Thank you. And it's uh, you too, of course, likewise. It is, a, it is a slightly different film from Apollo 13 and A League of Their Own, which they very would have been much. very different films if, if they'd been a bit more like Scream, but... Um, where where can anyone find you online if they can at all?
1: Um, I'm on Twitter at Penny and Dime D Y M E on uh, on Twitter, like I just said. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's where you can find me. I don't really, uh, I'm not really there much, but
0: yeah. You want. Well, if you want to hit up Laura and about we have film, like 86 followers. <laughs> yeah, it I used matter. to have a,
1: a fan account like for Star Wars that I got rid of. Oh, a long time yes, ago, you did. I had, I had that was much more interactive and In the i had the rise of to, kind of got tired of that so i yeah but if you want to chat with me holler
0: penny and dime penny and dime do it chat some film with laura Awesome scream Awesome ice hockey um maybe her teams not very good <laughs> uh if you want to find me you can do <laughs> what, I watch tonight. what i watched tonight.co.uk what i watched tonight all the socials and letterboxed as well if you know somebody who likes Scream, let us let them know that there's a big old episode where we dive into Scream. And if you've just watched Scream for the first time, I'd love to hear how how you feel it stacks up to these modern sort of juggernaut horror franchises which are coming out now because Scream 5 may be trying to cash in on that. I don't know. But um, Laura, one more time, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. What a queen. And everyone, thank you so much for listening. And I'm going to tell you to see you.